Microphone check, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite bearded man, Bob Bay in the building, Steven Vigilante. What up, baby? You aced that one. Can, can you grab that Olipop? I feel like it, we, we have to honor this podcast off with a, with a little crack. The pop. only way we can start. Fire it up, baby. Oh, there's like ASMR right there. Now for the people, because unfortunately there is no visuals for the people that are listening. What did we just crack? Just cracked a vintage cola Olipop. Mm. And how would you describe what this, what this beverage is, what this brand is becoming? Cause it's a rocket ship right now. It, the healthy alternative to soda is kind of the tagline we always use. And we're kind of workshopping that we're, we're working on what we want to be where I always tell people it's not a kombucha. It's not a sparkling water. It's not a juice. It's not a tea. It's a soda that happens to be good for you. Mm. Um, and we, we really try to lean into the taste and the flavor profile as opposed to the functional benefits where it's a digestive health drink. There's fiber and botanicals in it, which are good for your gut, but we lean into the taste and the, the brand more so than kind of the uh, ingredients. Cause that's what most people actually care about. What's how many flavors you, you have? I think it's uh six. six right now. So you have orange squeeze, strawberry, vanilla, classic root beer, vintage cola, ginger, lemon, and cherry vanilla. What's the go-to flavor for you? I'm a cola guy. Yeah. Though, this yeah, does taste yeah. pretty bomb. I'm not going to lie. I think I had this for the first time at your house, probably like five weeks ago it was actually after raf's birthday oh, no i think we all i didn't i barely even knew you but i was with a squad of people we ended up at your spot you live in venice right mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely was your spot and uh um, always olipop in the fridge I yeah think. oh somebody's <laughs> like do you want an olipop i was like i have no idea what this is but ever since then i've been seeing this brand everywhere and i feel like it's just like crushing i had a right nickel now. for every time someone said i see it everywhere after i saw it at your house i'm like that's exactly what i want you to say dude so you join you join up with them in 2018 around yeah yeah or July what's what's kind of like the you kind of went from like investor to then now growth marketing manager how how did this all kind of come about yeah um kind of been in and around the consumer space since i was 19 i had an investing role in college actually at a we had a student-run mutual fund at penn state and i managed the consumer sector of the fund my junior year mm. and i was like you know, 19 years old, reading research reports and earnings reports on like Coke, Pepsi, General Mills, Kraft Heinz. And it's kind of like, this is really interesting. Like, yeah, it's those, these brands are all around us every day. Heinz ketchup, right? Like, but you don't really know anything about how the business operates. And so I got really into that my junior year of college, like kind of randomly. And then I had this like kind of intense finance background. So I ended up going into consumer investment banking in San Francisco um, kind of following my nose. I was like obsessed with Shark Tank. I always tell people I was like Classic. on Shark Tank when I was a sophomore in college, not on the show, but I was, I watched it like the debut episode and I got like really into Mark Cuban and I thought He's it was so goat. cool. He's the goat. Of course. <laughs> <He's such a laughs> and it's funny because I've met so many people now have been on the show and you hear all the backstories. I actually don't watch it anymore because there's a lot of issues with it. Totally, totally. But I was like, I want to, I was like, I want to be in San Francisco. I want to be working with startups. And so I did investment banking out in San Francisco and then I ended up at, a what was an equity crowdfunding marketplace for early stage food and beverage companies called mm. Circle Up, and they had raised from like Google and Collaborative Fund and some big investors in within the venture community. And I really didn't know much about venture capital. I just wanted to work with startups because of Shark Tank. And my like second week there, I got like really thrown into the fire and went to Expo West, which is like the biggest natural and organic foods trade show in the world down in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And 
it was like, I was like a kid in a candy store. You go in there, it's like every single cool young brand debuting all their new products, giving out samples. You're eating like, <laughs> you're eating like protein pasta for breakfast <laughs> and keto ice cream for lunch. <laughs> every like prebiotic protein bar mixed in with like, this was like this book before CBD water, but there's like a million kombuchas and it was like heaven. I was like, this is my people. Like yeah. this is like investment banking was not for me, but this, this is awesome. And while I was there, I was there for three years, we actually ended up raising our own funds. So we were crowdfunding for brands, but we worked with a lot of cool brands from doing that. Mm. And then we kind of got enough attention from the investor community that we raised our own $125 million kind of seed fund solely focused on food and beverage. And I guess solely focused on consumer products broadly, but I kind of carved out my niche on the food and beverage side. And um, we were really one of the first venture funds in the country investing specifically in consumer products. And so I always tell people I had to take 30, like, brand calls a week for three years and you do that long enough and if you're just kinda, to hear their pitch yeah just to hear the how, pitch how long how long would each call be 30 to 45 hour 15 to 15 to 90 minutes depending on how interesting it was so how do you how do you know when you have to make a decision do we invest in this or do we not what's like the what are some of the, the boxes that you're checking where like we need to go in on this or immediately like red flag not worth our time yeah it's it's a it's something I think about very often and it's something that I'm still like formulating and is ever evolving. And as when I was like a 23 year old idiot who only worked in investment banking, and venture capital, I had like a very specific view of the world that was kind of based on um, learnings I had from the guys older than me who had been working in consumer private equity for, you know, five to 15 years. And, and there's like a very different lens of looking at a business as an investor than there is as an operator. And so now that I've spent mm -hmm. the last two years, within businesses and operating and now running, like helping run e-commerce for a brand, I have like a very, very different lens on what I would consider a really interesting investment opportunity um, than I would have said five years ago. And I, the way I would distill it down, if I had to like teach someone in a sentence, what I think is interesting in the food and beverage world, it's uh, products that give people what they really want deep down, but make them feel better about it. And mm -hmm. so the examples I will point to are Olipop is people want soda, right? It's like people didn't stop drinking soda because they don't like it. People stop drinking soda because it's really bad for them. We're giving people permission to drink soda again and feel good about it. And there's a couple mm -hmm. other brands who've done something similar. There's a candy company called Smart Sweets that just got bought for close to $400 million four <laughs> years in selling like low sugar candy. And it's wow. like tastes like Swedish fish, but it's like not nearly as bad for you. Yeah. Um, there's a pizza brand that's exploded doing cauliflower pizza. Um, there's a protein pasta company called Bonza. There's a company that's done like low sugar ice cream, Halo Top, um, Simple Mills did it with Cheez-It. So these are all like junk food categories, right? That kind of got reinvented. Yeah. So you're not teaching people a new behavior and you're not like trying to convince them to go eat kale chips. You're like, here's a Cheez-It. It tastes a lot like a Cheez-It, but it's actually way better for you and has good ingredients. And mm. those are the products that I kind of look for because I think they're like the most scalable. Mm. Um, they're not like, there's a lot of brands that are just like Erewhon products, right? That yeah. are like really expensive. They're really clean ingredients, but like it's a $10, you know, CBD, like adaptogenic, whatever. It's ridiculous. And like, no, like Ken in Kentucky is never going to buy that. Product. Can, I, can I admit a truth to you? I yes. have never stepped foot into an Erewhon. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in LA for over three years. I like... This is embarrassing. I'll say it out loud, but part of the reason I wanted to move to LA from San Francisco was for Air One. They don't have Air One in Northern California. Is no. it just an LA? Just base? an LA thing. They just <laughs> opened their sixth location. So, what is it about Air One? I mean, it's just this, as I, from what I know, it's a bougie ass freaking grocery <laughs> store. They sell twenty dollar protein shakes, and the list goes on and on. But what, what is um, what is it about Air One? It's they have the best retail experience I've ever seen in any store, not just grocery store. 
Um, they there's like free valet in the parking lot, like the lighting. Free and valet, free valet in the parking lot. Oh my god, that is so. Ridiculous. I know, I know, but it like makes the whole operation work better. <laughs> the fact that you can just get up and get there and get out of your car and like they take like it's a little thing, but it yeah. it actually it's, it's all about the experience. The experience totally. Right? As a brand person, right, I'm always kind of thinking about like how it how do you make the customer always they're so singularly focused on the customer, it's insane. And they yeah. also the secret to air one, not secret, but is they have got a hot bar and they you get up and you get you're like coconut chicken in your <laughs> buffalo cauliflower and it's really delicious and it's like it's one of those things it's like you walk out and you're like how did i just spend 27 dollars on that but if you're at a restaurant you're getting the same thing it's the Look, same price I, i've come to realize that i can actually rationalize spending more money on food that's better for me because it's it i am a vehicle and i'm that's putting right. in good food to my system within reason but I, huge, I, can, like, I can rationalize life it. shift when you kind of make that decision and again that some of this comes down to like financial means and stuff like that totally um but air one i always like make the joke like they have their 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 bags like that you leave the store with your food in that it says if it's in here it's good for you which i think wow. is like the smartest tagline of all time because you have people who are in there who are like oh i'm eating this like you know keto fried chicken sandwich and it's like yeah it's keto but it's still fried chicken <laughs> But, you know, whatever, play, you can play whatever tricks you want. So I'm curious. Why? It was our first store ever, by the way. Shout it, out Aaron to was. They were the first store that ever took Olipop on. Were you on the team when that happened or no? I was, yeah. Okay. I was the in the pitch meeting and had brought the samples in. And we actually gave them an exclusive. Um, they took us from October through December of 2018. They were the only place in LA you can get it. Um, and it, it, to be completely honest, it caught wildfire. Um, our second month there, we like grew a thousand percent from our first month. And we had this like end cap where you like kind of walk into the store and you're in this like big refrigerated cooler. We had the whole thing. Think of like a wall of 200 Olipops. Yeah. And it was like a billboard in the store and we like blew it out the water. It was awesome. Cause we put all, put all of our effort into it too. It was the only stores we were in. So we were in there. I was in there like almost every day, like get sampling back when we were allowed to do that um, in a pre COVID world. And, um, it honestly, we raised our seed round on our air one data and it's still the Venice location is still our number one, uh, velocity retailer in the country. Wow. Yeah. So when you guys are going in for the pitch, one, do you have, are you part of that pitch or are some of the founders or other executive team, the one actually pitching? So that it? specific one was, was me and our, uh, our social media manager, Alexa, who's now like my neighbor and we work super close together because we were the only two people in LA. Interesting. So it was like, let's just go have this meeting. And I knew the buyer. I had known her from my past life Yeah. and had set the meeting up and she was like, come on, bring some samples. We'll talk about it. And she kind of like opened it, took a sip and was like, this is one of the best drinks I've ever had. And wow. I test drinks for a living. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's pretty good. And she well, brings the owners in. They try it. And she was like, I want this. She's owner, like, don't. Owner, owner of Air One. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sh And she was like, I want this. She was like, don't give it the whole food. <laughs> wow. And how, so we gave them an exclusive. for the How, first how many months. locations there, Juan? At that time, they were four. And they've opened two more. So they're now six. So it's all, is it all west, west of L.A.? No, there's no. Uh, Calabasas. They've got the OG that's been there since the 1960s is in like Fairfax, West Hollywood. Dope. And then they just opened Silver Lake and they've got uh, Santa Monica, Venice, and is it, oh, Palisades. They opened Palisades. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. Is, it, uh, is it interesting when you're going in for that pitch though? Because you used to be the one, like you were saying, being of this podcast, you're the one taking calls, listening to these pitches, but now you're on the opposite side and you're trying to sell this product was that like a weird shift for you or did you feel like you used it to your advantage because you know what these people that are listening want to hear essentially um i would say a beverage to grocery sales pitch is extremely different than a venture capital to entrepreneur sales pitch totally. but there are some dynamics um 
No, I don't know. It was probably like, it was probably the first and the last sales pitch I did because <laughs> mm. we actually are, I think our first hire was a salesperson and then he's kind of built out. We have a sales team of like 12. They're incredible. We're national sales team now. So they do all that stuff. I'm like super removed from the process. Um, I ma- manage all of our like paid ad spend on Facebook. So like still selling, um, but in a very different format in like short little bite size ads on online and like podcast ads and influencer ads. So um Long story short, that it is interesting being on the other side and being the one telling. But part of the reason I'm so obsessed with Olipop and why it's been such like a delight for me is like I'm such a passionate person and things I get really into. I'm like yeah. kind of always pitching people on and totally. people are always asking me like what products you into, blah blah. And it's like I like I love this stuff. I drink two every single day. It's completely yeah. changed. I was like a little fat kid drinking root beer in New Jersey. I, totally. I grew up on like Stewart's orange and cream and Stewart's root beer. And the fact that I can now drink an orange soda and a root beer every day for <laughs> combined seven grams of sugar instead of fit forty eight. Wow. Um, it's like amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, so New Jersey. That's where you grew up, East Coast. Grew up in New Jersey. Yep. Uh, what was the reason for going to Penn State? Was it just like did you have any clue as to what you wanted to do? with your life at all i, I mean you said 19, about, like, 19 business, is when you started to watch uh shark tank was that uh, kind of the inspiration for you would you major in it was finance, finance. and minor in economics yeah uh, it's it's funny because i went to a very grew up in a very small high school in new jersey played three sports like sports kind of were at the epicenter of everything in town but graduated like 150 kids like everybody knew wow, everybody small. super small yeah the whole high school was like 500 kids Everybody like knew everybody. Everybody was up in each other's business. And I was like, always like going to other towns and making friends with people from other high schools. And like the town next to us at this huge school and all these kids from all these towns. And I was like, that's like way more fun than this little like, mm. like I had plenty of friends who went to like local state schools and had a good time. But I went to Penn State and like it was one of those you walked around. It was like a rainy April day. It was like a miserable day there, but I could just see it. You could just feel the energy of this like 45,000 kids, amazing football team. And I really wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill. True story. Mm. Um, did not get in there, which I'm in retrospect, like I'm not like, I don't have that Southern aristocracy to me. I totally. like, I've never been a Sperry's. You would have, you would have molded into it I, though. You would have probably mold, you molded it in. Being a chameleon, but like that whole, like, like do you know who my dad is culture you know ah, what i mean geez. it's like very not me not where i came from yeah and penn state has is like very grounded you got your pittsburgh your philly that whole rivalry is kind of fun i was there during the worst scandal in the history of like sports and the oh. world oh wow uh, which definitely jaded my experience there i'd say and i was a junior it was like it, it was like the at least news, you're on your way out the news fans were like on like I we I was, I was in one of the biggest fraternities like right on the main drag in downtown state college and like there was news vans parked outside for literally two months like you couldn't go to class without getting a microphone stuck in your face wow and um you know that definitely tainted my experience I had a great experience there and like that investment club I was in, in college like kind of put me on the path and everything so like I wouldn't trade at all any of it for the world but um. Yeah, there's like kind of like a cult vibe oh, there in State man. College. <laughs> it's a oh, long man. way. Venice, California is a long way. From I know. How are you like in Venice, though, especially coming from San Fran? I feel like that is just – I've only been to San Fran a couple times, but I know it is a completely different culture. It is a different lifestyle, even though it's right down the I coast. I they're like the two most different cities in the country. You would, you would say San Fran and Venice? Uh, San Fran and Los Angeles yeah. in general. But like San Fran's hilly and – like never gets that warm and it's like really beautiful around it but like the city itself is like kind of gnarly um and it's like totally dominated by one industry right it's uh it's very um homogenous i guess would be the right word and it didn't really hit me until i moved down here that like la is really diverse like think about our group of friends like even the group we were with like two couple saturdays ago you've got you know, people in the creative world, you've got people who work at like talent agencies, you've got people who work at startups, you've got people who work in food and beverage, like 
it's all over the place and you're meeting so many new people every day. And like in San Francisco, like I almost only knew like software engineers and tech salespeople. Cause that's mm. what dominates. Very heavily just that, yeah. those two types of people. Like when you like, and you're in an Cruise. Uber in San Francisco, like nine out of 10 times the Uber driver like works at a tech company and like is hustling or that's is unreal. like starting a tech company. Yeah, it's so different. And here it's like, you meet actors and writers and singers and who are hustling, people who have podcasts, right? Yeah. It's like. I just find it so much more stimulating that people here are like so much more into like the creative side of life than yeah. in San Francisco. So, mm. yeah, those are two different two different types of worlds. Um, right. Had you always thought about moving to California though? I feel like, especially coming from the East Coast, I can relate to you on that. From Massachusetts, like for me personally, fifth grade. If you ask me where I want to go when I'm older, I was like California, yeah. Southern California. Need to be there, Same sunshine. Thing. Same thing. SoCal's got this pull to it for certain people, right? Yeah. It's like there's other people who hate it, and I like. If you hate SoCal, I totally respect. There's a lot of people who've been here once had an awful traffic experience, won't come back. And I'm like, <laughs> it's always the traffic. I'm like, fine. Like, yeah. we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. But I've had this draw. There's a couple of cities like LA has always had a draw to me. I, when I moved to San Francisco like a month later. Actually, that's not even true. I was a, my first, first job at a college. I was a management consultant. I was traveling from Philly to Chicago every single week. And on the weekends, I could fly anywhere I wanted, like as long as it costs less than going back to Philly. And so I started coming to LA because my very good friend from college moved here. And I, it's funny, I like in the Uber, or I, I don't even know if we had Uber back then, in the cab from the airport to his place, it was like, like it was like a Friday morning probably, or maybe it was like Thursday afternoon. I was just like, this is the coolest city ever. Like it took me that fast. And then I went to San Francisco, I was coming down here once a quarter at least, if not once a month. Yeah. Because we had a bunch of portfolio companies down here. And I would actually go to Erwan to find like new brands to talk to. Yeah. That was where I kind of started going even knew what Erewhon was back then um and i just like totally fell in love and there's a couple of cities la has been like this i've had this like weird calling with berlin i've been like always obsessed wow. with berlin finally went there last year um buenos aires i've never been to really want to go it's just like i don't know what it is they just have this like kind of cool factor they're not like too touristy mm. like you got to kind of know what you're doing to have a good time there it's not like overrun with like a million places to stand in line and spend money that's like not Kind of my vibe, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. And yeah. I think, well, that's, it's actually awesome to hear that you have that curiosity to want to go travel and see different places because I'm sure you know people back in your hometown that just have never wanted to leave and will be there for the rest of their life, which is totally cool. Hey, if that's, that's the lifestyle you want to live, like, please do it. But I also just believe there is so much beauty in this world to see and so many experiences yeah. and people that you can meet just by having that curiosity like i want to go to san fran i want to yeah. move to LA. i want to go to berlin or buenos aires i mean anywhere i i mean i went to berlin alone last year it was amazing solo dolo for how long solo dolo. i did five days in lisbon five days in berlin amazing awesome well any so any big fun. takeaways from it i know berlin they berlin, love to rage uh, that's berlin, what i've heard i would say I, I had very high expectations and like it somehow topped them um it's such a cool city it's super progressive it's got this crazy plant-based food scene which i wasn't expecting at all like very very good food the nightlife is like it's just totally different another life like, totally another lifestyle yeah. right and it's also just like very think of it like think about vegas and like turn everything inside out and that's berlin it's like you can't be showy there's no like tables there's no like money doesn't get you anything you got to kind of be low-key they i multiple places they'd ask at the door who you voted for because they knew i was american and like if I had said Trump, they wouldn't let you in. Really? Yeah, really interesting. Wow. Um, but I tell people this a lot. I feel like I, I was one of, like, I grew up in this town in New Jersey. Everyone, like, loved where they were from. And, like, it was very, like, I was obsessed with sports. And, and like, that was kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said I didn't have a lot of interests. And then my junior year, I went to go visit my buddies who were all studying abroad in Rome and Barcelona. And it kind of, like, 
I feel like it was the first time I kind of like took the top off of like, oh, there's a whole world outside of like the, US. the New York Yankees and like yeah. New York City and northern New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So that was your first time traveling outside first of the time States? First traveling outside the States. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I it, it, lit a, it lit a spark. And I've gone, I have had a, made a goal of being international every single year since. And I, I think I've done it every single year other than maybe one. And even this year, I haven't made it down to Mexico before you, the border closed. <laughs> damn, that's good. You uh, you weren't nervous like traveling to Berlin solo like that. You just like do you yeah. you just go with the flow? Do you make a do you plan things out ahead of time? Because I think just thinking of me going international, so I'm like going down to Mexico for my birthday in like three weekends, and we have like a group, and it's gonna be great. But I'm thinking like if I just went there by myself, like that's a that's I pretty love, respectable. I dude. love like being able to do whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> to a fault too. Yeah. I like it. David Lester's probably going to listen to this, co-founder of Olipop, and he's like, always oh, slapping me on the wrist because I go and do stuff on myself <laughs> that I shouldn't. But it's a gift and a curse, I'd say. Um, yeah. It was incredible. It was really amazing. And I just like was so free, and I was kind of able to do whatever. And you kind of like, I, I, what I did was stay in hostels for the first half of Lizard and first half of Berlin to meet people, and then I jumped to a hotel. And I made a bunch of like quasi-friends and hung out and went out with them. But then like... I didn't. If I wanted to like go out to dinner by myself, I could do that as well. And oh, that's respect. you just meet people. You, it, there's there's a whole like travel culture, like yeah. especially Australians, and a lot of them travel alone, and it's totally normal to be yeah. honest. And you kind of like you find each other, and then like I went to I went to uh, I I did like a big Euro trip the year after I graduated with a friend, and then she ended up staying in Greece with her family, and I kept going to Prague, and like I met someone in Prague who I'm like I'm still friends with, like and yeah. she was traveling alone and had actually like moved there for a bit to teach English and. Those things are like those are amazing. Like those are like some of my favorite people I've ever met. And yeah, so, it's such a skill though. I don't. I think it's so. I can talk to a wall. Anyone I, who's I, ever met me, I could. <laughs> you could too. I feel like you could. Like you could be uh, sitting in a bar anywhere and make uh, friends. No, so. I, I totally can. I, I think I just. Ha I've never had that type of um, an opportunity, or I've never pushed myself to really do that. But yeah, I mean, that's like throw me throw me in the middle of a hundred people of strangers, and I'm yeah. like the highest. I try to be bring a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. I do feel like Massachusetts, almost more so than like where I'm from, it's probably even more insular. Yeah. Where when you leave the coop, it's like you're like a freak. Yeah, <laughs> right. Big deal. That's why I got tatted on me, so I don't freaking don't forget, forget where, where right. I'm coming from. I'm curious though, because you know, you 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 t you touched on how you post college, you jump around, you go from Deloitte Consulting, Cohen and Company, Circle Up, Chef, or or at any time while you're popping around, are you finding that you're like wow, I wake up every day, I'm happy to be here? Or do you find like there's the honeymoon phase where you're with them for a year or two and then you're like, this isn't made for me? Or are you constantly just like, what's the next yeah, thing? Because I think really that's like a, question, that's like something we all think that the next like opportunity is the one and then you're just like, okay, what's the next thing that I need to be doing? Yeah, it's a, it's such a good question. And I, so just to, to timeline, I was at Deloitte for 11 months, I was at Cowan for nine months. That circle up for three years. That was like a longer, like I was very invested um, and I loved it. I learned so much and I loved like meeting entrepreneurs, like finding brands. It was so much fun. Um, but it's funny, those first two, like I took like investment banking and management consulting are very good jobs to get out of college. Right. And like, I, I'll never forget, like calling my grandpa, who's <laughs> like my, my rock. Right. And every, like, you know, everything. And um, I call him a year out of school and I'm like, Hey, this is like awesome job. I've got like, I'm quitting and moving to San Francisco. And he's like, what? Like he worked his way up from like the entry, like an entry level engineering job, Bell Labs to like C-level at AT&T at the same company for 37 years. Wow. Right? So he's like, you're doing what? <laughs> and then like nine months later, I give him a call. I'm like, hey, 
I'm actually quitting another job and I'm going to the startup that does like fundraising for brands. And he's like, are you having kidding me? Like, what's wrong with you? And like, same thing about, yeah, my parents are like, what? But I yeah. kind of had this like, it's weird in retrospect to think about it. But like, I was like following my gut and I like, like Circle Up for me, I like looked at it as like a way to get in with startups and get into this world of like venture capital I didn't totally understand. But like they got it backing from really good investors and the team was like crazy good pedigree that all worked you know harvard stanford like amazing private equity experience and i was just kind of like if i can get my foot in that door like i know i'm capable like i didn't have you know i went to a big state school and i didn't work at like goldman sachs but i had the nose for it and i kind of just went with it and then mm. um you know i was there for three years and i kind of had this calling to get off the investment side and go work in a brand learn it from the inside out really learn e-commerce that was what i wanted to do and i um Again, I call everybody and they're like, you're doing what? Like you're moving to LA, you're gonna work at this another startup. It's like <laughs> pretty unproven and like they'd raise some money, but um, it's funny because the first two jumps were the right decision in retrospect, like getting to circle up, like definitely changed my life. It gave me an incredible exposure as like a young mid 20 year old. Um, the jump down to LA was not the right move. Why? <laughs> that company. Um, oh, oh, gotcha. Was it? They had eh, they had raised I think like forty million or forty five million like a month before I got there, and they were out of business six months later. No way. So uh -huh. were they just burning the cash? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, forty mil, dude. That's a lot. It of was money. wild. I mean, it was cover of the Wall Street Journal story, and um, it was like one of the biggest you know, startup implosions of whatever, 2017. So was it, it was just bad decision making by the executives or was it the wrong, like pretty poorly managed company. Um, founder was very independently wealthy. Had put a lot of his own cash in and like had built warehouses and like built infrastructure that kind of made it look like it was working. Uh, yeah. Um, and had some like big contracts that like fell through at the end of that year. And, um, he had like of that money he had raised, like 10 of it went to debt, like 10 million of it. And then 10 million went to a facility. So like, it was like really 20, not 40. And um, he was burning a lot of cash. It was one of those, like, I, I was there for like a month and I kind of got really under the hood. And I was like, oh man. This is not going to last. This thing is, is, is a house of cards. Um, and it's funny because there was a bunch of people who I had kind of called in my like three days I spent making my decision <laughs> to jump who were like, yeah, I've heard some things about that business. It's not all it's cracked up to be, blah, blah. And I kind of just like ignored them. And it was a really, really good lesson. And like, if there's like red flags, like maybe dig in a little bit further. But in retrospect, it got me to LA and mm. um, it moved me down here. And it kind of, it was one of those, it really punched me in the mouth. I was like pretty, I would probably say pretty seriously depressed for a while. Cause I had like given up this awesome thing in San Francisco mm. and bet kind of like my life on coming down here. Like he was like, yeah, we're going to raise more money. And we're going to go sell the business. And like, it was gone in six months. And I was kind of like, the heck am I going to do? I'm like a loser. I'm at this like failed startup. And it actually like pushed me out the door to finally give myself the, the, the space, I guess, to start my own consulting business. And that's actually what I ended up doing. Mm. And by, as luck would have it, I was like randomly introduced to a woman in San Francisco who was considering making an investment in this pre-launch fiber soda thing called Olipop. And at the end of the call, it was just like a random networking call. She's like, can I send you their deck and get your feedback on it? Like you sound like you know a little bit about beverage. And I was like, yeah, sure. I opened it up and I made it like five slides in and it was just like, this is the best deck I've ever seen. This is like the coolest product I've ever seen. Like no one's pitched me a healthy soda in like four years of looking at this stuff. Um, and I cold called one of the co-founders and I was just like, hey, I know you don't really know who I am, but I have some like investor relationships that like beverage brands and like, I think I can help you. You're, like, you're raising money. They were supposed to launch like two months later. And that's how I kind of got involved. And I would never have made that phone call if I was still an employee at that company. It wow. was never in a million years. 
So you were sold off the deck and you hadn't even tried the product. Yeah. And at this time, the this wasn't even launched. Nope. They so, had samples in like a soda. So how? So are these? So these found this is not can't be their first rodeo. Then had like to to go and actually a lot of founders I think would think through the idea, start and figure it out as they go. But if they're out throwing around a deck and the product is even available or hasn't even launched, I would imagine these guys knew what they were doing. Yeah, they had a beverage brand before. It wasn't yeah, a smash it. success. It, just to be clear, they didn't like go and sell it for a couple hundred million dollars and have like a ton of cash. Like they did pretty well with it. They had like a, a modest sale. Yeah. Um, and then had went back to their same investors to yeah. raise like a seed round. Cause this, this idea is actually kind of like an evolution of their last product. They had a probiotic, like uh, a fermented soda product that kind of tasted a little bit more like a kombucha. It was in a bottle. It looked a little bit more premium. You would never have had it, like had a sip of it and be like, holy smokes, that tastes exactly like a root beer. It was like, yeah. uh, this is like a healthy root beer that's like $4 and it would never substitute for someone who's like addicted to root beer. And this is, to me, that substitute product. That's mm. They kind of took their lessons and learnings from the last round and and came back with this. It's so interesting how that works though, because in the time when they were maybe thinking about leaving that old business, you think like, all the time and effort that we put into this thing, like it could be a quote unquote waste or similarly to what I was telling you before, like this old podcast that I used to do at the time of me, like kind of stepping away from it. I felt like I lost my identity. I was like, all this is down the drain. And then I end up starting this thing and it's like, oh wait, all the things I just learned, yeah. I just throw into this next thing and yeah. I just fire up the engine. So I think but, it's interesting how in times, and even with you, when you came down here for the job, that doesn't work out and you're like, my life is shit. I came down here, I left the greatest opportunity in my life. Somehow, some way, weirdly trusting your gut and everyone else that trusts their gut, it ends up bringing you to a better position. It's, it's totally right. And I, that seven months of that, at that company that failed, like it was really hard. Like getting, going, driving to down to El Segundo from Marina Del Rey every day was like the worst drive of my life. I just couldn't stand even being in the building because I knew it was like not, it knew it was going to fail. I, yeah. I knew within a month. And I was kind of just like collecting a paycheck and, it's kind of funny because I started doing some advisory work that night and I started this like community of, of like founders and operators in the food and beverage space. It kind of like got me to get out there a bit more because I knew I, I didn't like what I was doing every day. But I kind of watched something implode and I watched how toxic culture can really destroy a, a, a business and an ecosystem. And it's kind of like one of the, I don't know, one of the core tenants I've kind of picked up now in the different businesses I've worked in is like how important team and company culture actually is. And it's something mm. that gets, you, you hear that as like a young person, you're like, oh, culture, like what the hell? Like that's such an amorphous term. And now I'm like, I think it's like the single most important factor in like whether a business becomes successful and like really scales or not. And I've, I've heard like nothing but incredible things about Liquid IV's culture. And you look at like a the business best. like Sir Kensington's and RX bar, like I remember being at these trade shows and like their booths were like parties. Like the you could feel the energy of the employees. They're all wearing like matching like Patagonia vests and like they're just like jamming out. And you're like, these people fucking love this company. Like they love what they do. And I feel like we have that with Hollypop. We've got like an army of 35 people now um and everyone is obsessed with each other everyone's obsessed with the product and it's like i have a million reasons i'm like really like believe in what we're doing but our team is like by far the number one reason like it's it's a family it's yeah. not a job it's a it, I, I throw the word cult around every now and then but it's like a good cult it's <laughs> yeah. like this olipop cult that like get on the train because it's yeah. like it's not slowing down yeah i mean from my experience mind you liquid iv is the only career i've ever had right. post because post college started driving uber full-time i jump in and then i jump into liquid iv a year ago 
when I jumped into Liquid IV, I was M- employee number 23. And now by the it's 50 plus by the end of the year, or may, might already be there. I don't know what the numbers are because we're all remote. But that if I had to, from my, from my learnings and what I've observed in a year of working for this company, if I had to pin, other than like incredible executive team and leaders, it is the culture. Yeah. Everybody feels welcomed. Everyone feels part of something bigger. Everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, there's, it's very transparent. So I think being transparent with the entire team allows everyone to feel like they have skin in the game or yeah. like they know what's happening. Transparency is so important. I was going to say, so I'm curious, like from your perspective, um, how do you, how do you think companies and founders and uh, you know, startups of this size, 30, 40, 50 employees, how do you get everybody to feel that feeling that, that they look at this baby as, as if it was one of their own? Yeah. Um, I think about this all the time. I would give like the biggest shout out to Ben and David, the founders of Olipop. Like they have been like pretty meticulously curating this culture from the beginning. And like culture really starts with your first employee. Like if you ignore your culture for your first 10 employees, like that's, you're setting the culture. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect. And yeah. then employee 11 comes along and they're like, oh, they, like employee, nobody gives a shit. Okay. Employee eight and t- eight through 10, like they don't give a shit. So yeah. like, why do I give a shit? So they've like, have been like very intentional with it, with it from the beginning. And I think it's been this big shift because in San Francisco culture is like, you know, you know, ping pong tables and free lunches and this like, you know, you know, unlimited vacation policy. Like that to me is just all a facade. Like none of that stuff has anything to do with like how people run meetings, how people ask for help, how people even just like word their emails is such a like a little thing. But like the difference between an exclamation point and a period when you're asking someone below you for help is like makes all the difference in the world. And like totally. that to me is is culture and how people communicate and and micromanaging lack of or the lack thereof. I think micromanaging is like a major culture killer. Mm. Um, like hiring really good people and then like trying to tell them what to do. Um, you know, as like a CEO or founder without as you like are not the expert potentially on that topic, like that can that can really get in the way. Um, it comes down to hiring. We have incredible hiring practices. Like Ben and David are super meticulous. Everybody goes through like multiple rounds. We've got like different types of interviews and like it's really worked we've had two misfires two people that like kind of didn't work out and like we knew within a few weeks and it was like very mutual like parting ways but we're like call it like 30 i don't know 30 ish full-time people right now and wow. like two misfires out of 30 that's that's good. pretty solid yeah the one the one quote that always pops in my mind i was i i used to consume i still consume his content but gary v's content religiously 2016 2017 every day all day and the one thing that i always heard him say was hire slow fire fast yeah Hire real slow, real. make sure they check off every box. And if it's not the right fit, get them out of there. Yeah. ASAP. I, think, I do actually think that like the first screen is, do you know and love the product? Cause yeah. if they don't know it and love it, like it's, I mean, maybe you can come around on it, but like we want people who are like, we have such an amazing community around it. We've, we've hired like, we've hired like creative talent, like literally through Instagram. Cause they were like making all the wow. stuff and like, that's the best job interview you can do. Like, totally. Do something. Yeah. And um, it's awesome. It's super cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, your your employees are your walking billboards. So yeah. it's like if they're not passionate about the product, uh, I don't know if it's really going to work long term. 100%. Because it's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, as, as as the growth marketing manager, what has been some of your learnings in the last two years? What's worked? What, what, what hasn't? Any big successes? Any low failures? Without getting to like the true details. But yeah. Any, um, any specifics? So as a as a heavy liquid beverage brand, right? Like beverage e-commerce has not really ever taken off. There's a couple brands who've kind of cracked the code. Um, but so we launched like October of 2018 in retail. 
we didn't even have a website until August of 2019. So we're in a whole year not selling a single thing online. Wow. And that was, so that was last summer. And then we closed our series A, call it end of the year last year, end of you know, December, early Jan. Define series A. Cause there's going to be somebody listening to doesn't understand. Yeah. What that sorry. Means. It's kind of like your first like proper round of, of funding uh, where there's like a true valuation put on the business. There's often like professional investors, not just like friends and family or like angel investors. It's like, it's, I go back and forth. Like if I actually believe this or not, but it's your first like, really legit like stamp of approval from the investor community if you choose to raise capital yeah um and so we announced it we raised 10 million dollars in, in january um which is a very healthy amount for a brand that's been around for a year and a half um and i, I kind of put my hand up and i was like we have a website we've got people all over the country who've never tried this product because we were only selling in california um and we've got a i think a pretty good value proposition there's a lot to talk about with the product it's it's pretty pitchable. It kind of makes sense in, you know, to run ads for. And so, um, we brought in an agency, uh, to help us start running like Facebook ads in mm -hmm. February. And we kind of like took our lumps. We, you know, ads are confusing. We didn't understand like the content strategy behind ads and copy and all that. Um, and you know, that was kind of February and we, our pricing was a little too, too high. We were charging for shipping, which obviously is a, that was a, it's not, it's, it's not hard to sell product. $50 can you know, 12 packs on the internet when people haven't tried it before. Right. <laughs> so March 15th, we, um, literally March 15th, I was in Mexico city. <laughs> this is like, COVID, this is right when COVID is probably this is about COVID. This, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we made the decision to, well, we had made this decision, but we made the changes on the website to cut our prices by 25% and start offering free shipping. And we like killed off one of our like variety packs that like was super expensive and didn't really make sense. And like, literally March 19th, the Mexico border closed and like Disney closed. And like, th that was like the week that the world kind of shut down. And like, it was just hockey stick growth from there. Like it was, I would, you know, put most of the, you know, credit to COVID to be honest, but <laughs> people just were flocking to the internet and they were, you know, now that I'm looking back on it, like black Friday, cyber Monday, like the two biggest e-commerce days of the year, like the volume of transactions on the internet for like six weeks from March through, you know, mid March through end of April were Black Friday volumes every single day across wow. all e-commerce, right? So we like happened to start focusing on e-commerce two weeks before the biggest e-commerce boom in the history of the world. There was 10 years of e-commerce growth in three months. If you look at like the chart of total <sighs> transactions on the internet. Um, and we were like in the right place, right time. And we've got a good product. We have like an immunity component to what we do, a healthy microbiome. There's like lots of connections between the microbiome and, you know, general immune health. And so people were finding it and like, you know, we had just started running ads. So people click through the ads and they buy and, um, we grew really fast. We grew a thousand percent from February to June. And Holy then we kind of like smashed into a wall. Um, cause we, you know, it was like early June, the world started opening up again. There was all this political unrest. People weren't on their phones 24 seven, like our Facebook costs like doubled overnight. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh crap, like <laughs> there's more to the world than just running Facebook ads. <laughs> um, and I kind of like, it, we didn't have any experts in house. Like no one in our team had ever, it, you know, run a Facebook ad, let alone worked in e-commerce before. It's all beverage people, right? Beverages are sold in grocery stores. Um, and so I kind of like poked around. I started looking at brands that I think are best in class. Um, Liquid IV being one of them. Let's go. Um, Magic Spoon does a really good job in the cereal aisle. Uh, and there's a brand called Sakara Life that does these really expensive like meal plans online, but they like crank. Um, and Four Sigmatic, it's another one. They're like you know pro mushroom powder, mushroom coffee, coffee right? like yeah, fifty yeah. million plus. They're like 
they've been on Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss. Like yeah, I know yeah. what. Like now I know what those things cost. Like you have to be doing well to be on those podcasts. Oh yeah, you talking know to, you're talking to a podcast <laughs> specialist right here, baby. And uh, the moral of the story was kind of like if your product's right for it, like these channels, they're like these channels outside of Facebook and Instagram actually do perform really well. And so we, um, I actually brought on. Um, uh, this guy had been at Four Sigmatic for the last four years, managing all their podcast spend. Wow. And he's kind of like, to me, like the podcast guy. Like he knows literally that. everyone. And there's hundreds of podcasts you can advertise on. I would never be able to navigate it myself. I could name like maybe four podcasts that all cost like 50 grand to advertise on, which is not what we wanted to start spending. Yeah. And we flipped that on, I would say June to, the summer was hard. We were like trying to figure out Facebook. We we're trying to diversify away. We tested Pinterest. We tested like these Amazon ads, even though they were not on Amazon, like fail, fail, fail. And then we you're not you're not on Amazon. We're but not on Amazon. We're running ads from Why Amazon. Why aren't you on Amazon? It's a whole other story. Yeah, it's just our, <laughs> no. that's, that's another question. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are, we will be in January. Okay. Uh, okay. I finally kind of figure out how to. Let's do say it. prime shipping is pretty great. It, I it, know. I know. There's I'm sure of, it's a lot harder. There's a lot of cases for it. There's a lot of arguments against it. Gotcha. Um, but um, yeah, we flipped on podcast, and it's again like if you keep charting all these things. I'm saying there's like. So many things that were so, it's like preparation meets opportunity. It's like how luck is created or whatever that. Yep. I have no idea what that quote is. No, you're right. Something like that. Opportunities when uh, luck meets preparation. preparation. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So we start, I like <laughs> committed to podcast in September. And like, as luck would have it, we end up on, do you know Pod Save America is yep. the biggest political podcast in yep. the country? We Massive. end up. We end up on the episode one week before the election that Joe Biden happens to be the guest on. He was on. Oh, I didn't so even know he was on the, the podcast. First 17 minutes of the episode is Joe Biden interviewed. And of course, like it's the most downloaded episode of the year, right? Then there's a an, an, an ad, I believe, for eight greens or athletic greens and then Olipop. And there's like a two minute ad no read where John way. Lovett, who's the head, he's like the most well-known guy in the show who's like a, a a very famous diet coke drinker like talk about diet coke all the time he literally says on this episode that like two and a half million people listen to that he's never drinking diet coke again and he's only drinking vintage cola olipop come and on it was it was insane because we also had that episode the day before we had friday and saturday back to back so we just that weekend like you guys are like, just pouring in on this opportunity I, yeah i mean we they it, it the whole thing kind of worked out really nice and um it was our first go with them and uh, the host loved it. You never know what the hosts are going to say. The reads are a little, they can be, some of them sound really rehearsed and it's like, they just nailed it. And we had our best, you know, our best weekend ever by 4X. We ended up, you know, up 50% for the month. And um, yeah, we're going to lean in pretty hard on podcast. Dude, I mean, at, at the end of the day, that is the sell is if you can find the host that right. truly, like literally like we were just talking about with employees and finding team members that are passionate or believe in the product or the right. service that the company's selling, you need to find the host that truly believe in the product because they are your speaking billboard. And in the ad space, you're technically buying a 60 second slot, right. but they will over deliver because they, they have for like three minutes because they have one. so much to say about the product, which amazing. is exactly what you I need. was like. It was the first time I've really gotten goosebumps for, with it was like, holy, shit. we're like, we are on the map. And yeah. it's crazy because you you feel it. You see it. We get all sorts of comments. Like, we had an amazing like customer service inbound today. Someone saying like the prayer emoji, like I'm like, thank so thankful that I found you on Pad Save America. I'm drinking two of these a day. It's like it's the best drink I've ever had. Yeah. And it's like, that's so cool, right? It's like, yeah, I kind of forget that, honestly, there there really are, I'm a very, to give you context, I'm a very health conscious person. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm very aware of what I'm eating on a day to day. When I do, like when it's the weekends and I'm out, I'll eat pizza, I don't give a shit because I'm so 
good during the week and you know 99% of the diet but I forget that like there are actually people that are drinking like three cans of coca-cola every day and they're not it's it's kind of like you live in LA and it's a bubble yeah but it's like it's but it's not even that it's just like there's people that they're not even aware of how bad this that, that soda can be for you one of our statistics that I it's on our talking points for the podcast host is like it, the average Coca-Cola has 39 grams of sugar in it. A, a can of Fanta has 44 grams of sugar. Olipop Vintage Cola has two grams. Olipop Orange Squeeze has five grams. And the amount of people that are shocked by that, even the podcast hosts that are shocked by that, I'm like, you didn't know that? Like, really? But if you're not like in looking for our like wellness space, like I didn't start reading ingredients until I got into this whole world, right? Like I was... 35 tw- calories too. Yeah, 35 calories. You got 180 calories in a Coke. It's like... I didn't start reading ingredients until I moved to San Francisco, right? Like, that wasn't in my purview. And there's plenty of people who don't ever read ingredients or like, they're like, this tastes good. And you know, that's, that's all they need to know. And so our whole thing is like, that's why we lead with taste. Cause if you're a soda drinker, like you're in there for the taste, like that's what you're going for. And if you like are then educated that like 40 grams of sugar is, I don't know, 13, 14 tablespoons. If you start showing people like Holy tablespoons shit. and like, there's like one, a half of one in there. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Dude, I keep my fridge stocked up with LaCroix. I think this might be swapping. I think I might be swapping out for the Olipop gang, dude. What? Dude, like just looking at the like low calories, like you were saying, low sugar. This are is, you like into fiber and the digestive health stuff? Are you? I'm into anything that's that going to make me feel better. I mean, I'm into anything that's like going to enhance me and yeah. make, you know, I take a multi, uh, 12 pack multivitamin every day. I drink uh, a you couple. Chase energy. You 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 good energy. Oh yeah. yeah, I need it, and I think that's what keeps me moving and grooving. Yeah. You know, early mornings, late nights, just because I'm feeding my body the right stuff. I you know, right, food wise, are you cooking stuff at home? Or are you like, oh, yeah. like a lot of little meal prep or all all week? Yep, yeah. um, grilled chicken, veggies, um, yogurt, Greek yogurts, protein like pro um. You know, protein powder drinks like uh, shakes in the morning after I work out. I'm yeah it, during the week at least. Like the only time I'm eating out is like on the weekends. Yeah. Or if I'm out with people, I allow myself to treat myself. But if I'm here, yeah. like when you had gotten here, you said, "How's the f-? like?" You, you made a comment like, "What's the food around here?" I like laughed inside because I'm like, "Little does he know, I never eat no out idea. around here." <laughs> and when I do eat out, I'm usually in Venice or Santa Monica or a different part of LA. So it's like I'm never even eating out in Hawthorne because I just I prep it not only is it cheaper and i'm saving myself a shit ton of money week over week but i just feel better yeah and the amount of time and energy i get back into my life because i'm not going out and driving and trying to find food i it's kind of weird and i have my roommates would laugh because they they say that uh living with me is like groundhog's day with bill murray uh and so true (laughs) it's like i do the same shit every day i eat the same meals every day i was talking to somebody this weekend i was explaining to her my meals and she was laughing at me because she's like you literally are like a robot you eat the same things all day every day man but it works life it works same like workouts every day um kind of for the most part well it's, it's obviously weird with the work from home stuff but yeah i do like uh like a like uh a lot of um calisthenics and then i'll go for like a three or four mile run yeah four days a week five days a week it's been interesting being like this is obviously the least i've ever traveled in my like adult career and it's been it weirdly rewarding being home a lot and like we got a grill at home and i like learned to go i've never really cooked much i wish i did and like yeah grilling chicken and veggies is like my new favorite thing in the world yeah it's so good 
Yeah. And it's been able, it's been kind of nice to just be in one place. And like, I feel like the community in Venice has gotten so strong. Totally. Um, it, I, I had such a tough conversation to have with people, especially people who are in New York or San Francisco, where like, you know, it's just a different vibe. There's a different energy. They can't just go outside. No. New York City is a whole, yeah. The point of living in New York City is to have that, like, going down on the subway. Not to be in your little uh, studio apartment. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, I would lose my shit if I was living in yeah. New York. But I, I really, I think it was like the first two weeks of COVID. I was like, oh shit, like everybody else freaking out. I'm like, I can't go to the gym. What do I got to do? Ever since, I've just leaned into it. I have made so much progress personally and like trying to just like have stillness in my mind and thinking about like what is the bigger picture look like? What makes me happy? What am I passionate about? Getting back into the podcast game. Like that's the other thing. It's like I'm no longer commuting to and from work. Um, I can like shift gears a lot quicker. Like at the end of the day, boom, right into podcast mode. There's no dealing with the driving. Like so I feel like I'm more efficient. Um have you read any good books in the last six months? Oh, man. That's all I've been doing. What's your top what, three? Which one have you recommended or gifted to the most people? Oh, Think Like a Monk, Jay Shetty. Think Like a Monk. So good. I would honestly even put that as my number one favorite book of all time. Wow. Think Give like me the one monk. sentence on it. Oh. <laughs> the one sentence. Your mind is more powerful than you think. Okay. Becoming Supernatural, Joe Dispenza. That would be the, my, the one sentence on that book, too. That's, I, a, that's a good one. What's it called? Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. Okay, I'm going to write this down after this podcast. because He's I, like the, the ultimate mind over matter guy, but from a science perspective. Yeah. And that's what did it for me. It was like, what's really going on in there when you're, what you're telling yourself every day? And what's, why does the monkey mind affect mm. your life and, and outcomes in your life? And like, you know, you hear the, the word manifesting kind of thrown around a lot in LA and now kind of always like, eh, is that really a thing? And then he kind of put science behind like, you know, someone like me or you meeting a ton of people all the time. Like if you set your mind to something and you have like enough conversations with people, especially when you're like in a connected circle, like we are, like you will get introduced to someone who can help you with that. And like yeah. that's, that's, is that manifesting? Is that being, I think, it, I think it's all connected, right? Yeah. I think you have, I've, I, I had a podcast with somebody a couple of weeks ago where they were kind of like, I don't believe in manifestation, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can't just sit down and think about what you want and it's like, it's going to happen. Correct. You but you're just... programming your mind to remind yourself of what you want in right. your life. And so if you can visually see it, you're going to be able to just, that's on your mind all the time. So it's almost like giving intention for what you want in your life, whether it doesn't matter what it is. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Three months ago, one, of the, one, one thing I said to myself, I said, I've lived in LA for three plus years. I have great roommates, but I'll, and I've met a lot of great people through podcasting, but I don't have like a community. I don't have anybody hitting me up like, yo, what are you doing tonight? We're going here, doing that. Now, mind you, this is the middle of a pandemic. I understand things started to lighten up. People were starting to be outside more. Luckily, we live in LA. There's the beach and yeah. you know, there's a lot of six feet social distancing. But I told myself from visualization and manifestation, I told myself my, one of my biggest areas of my life I need to put effort into is building a strong community and how do I do that? I'm gonna jump on any and all opportunities. So it's like I'm having that conversation with myself. And then what happens from that moment moving forward? I've met well over 100 plus incredible people. Uh, I've been saying yes to things. I've been getting invited to things. Like so, then it's like I 
manifested what I wanted because I told myself and I had the conversation about what I wanted in my life and it's, I fucking spoke into existence. I right. did the same thing three months ago when I told you I wanted to get back into podcasting. I had this idea. I wanted to get back into interviewing and having guests on the show. I said, fuck it. I'm going to do it. Stop making excuses. Visualize it. Think about it. Go do it. So I think you have to visualize, which I would say is man- manifestation, and then you have to go out there and actually do the work and, right, and right. put in the reps exactly. of whatever it's going to take to get it. And it's funny because there's like, it's there's like that side of the world which is manifesting and like putting yourself out there and and just saying yes to things and going to do random like go with some random like hike with some people and like and then there's the there's this other book I read called Essentialism which is about prioritization and like great when book. you're lucky enough to have yeah, yeah, yeah great legend when you're like almost like lucky enough to have so many opportunities coming at you and so many like different social events and dinners and this like you have to say no you have to like start saying no to things and and prioritizing like what it, it, there's like the balance of like like doing like the most like high the highest leverage thing you could be doing and it's like you get a little transactional if you get to that point like if you like in a conversation with someone and they're like they can't help you you, you do you walk away as an yeah. essentialist like no you don't yeah. like not, not every single thing has to be like oh i got this out of it like i think that's a very unhealthy way to live um but for me it's like i feel like i'm getting i get pulled in a lot of directions um it's been really really critical and i read it in i don't know three months ago and our like actually our whole marketing Ooh. team read it oh, that's um, good. and we've because we're the same way we're growing like a weed we've got tons of places we can market and spend money and throw product at events and you know random like different celebrities hitting up for things and it's like what do we need to do to, to get like what is the single thing we can do as a marketing organization to like drive the business forward and like say no to everything else and yeah. it's actually helped drive our marketing strategy to be honest um and it's been critical and everyone loved it it's so I would say must read as well. But. Yeah, no, that's a great book. And I would say the if you ask the one sentence, what's the big takeaway? It's the, he draws a circle for people that are listening. Imagine drawing a circle and pointing an arrow out from every direction of the circle. It's, it's, it's your energy is going in every direction. It's like these little arrows. It's these like, little arrows, mini arrows. But then half an inch. he draws another circle and he draws a five, six inch line with one arrow and it's about like what happens when you just focus on that one thing. I took a picture of that. It's in my favorites. I oh, that's it. so good. At least once a week. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> I and, and what's so interesting that you're bringing that up is like I, I think about you know three years ago, I was saying this is what it comes down to with essentialism. I think it is across an air, any area of your life, whether it is business with Alipop, whether it's your personal life, whether it's fitness, whatever it might be, you have to you have to figure out and prioritize what matters most to you in this moment of time. Three years ago, my number one priority was meet as many incredible people that I can for a podcast. Like I need to get people in for this podcast and I'm going to drive Uber full time to fund it. And that's like the number, those are the top two priorities. Going out and meeting people and going to like a yoga session, that just, it was not even a thought to me because I was like, I have way too much to lose by not putting time and energy into the first two. But then it switches over, things change in your life, different chapters, different goals. Uh, And so then it's like, now I went from a place of saying no to every opportunity uh, socially to saying yes. So I think at the end of the day, when it comes to essentialism, it is just about focusing on like, what is your true north? And what, what, like, whether it's for business, what's our true north? It's to provide this incredible sparkling tonic and we're not going to try also selling something separate that doesn't isn't going straight people forward. People always ask us like, can you make a powdered form of this? Can you put it yeah. in kegs? Can you? Like, we're like, no. Yeah, we're selling cans and grocery stores online. That's our thing. We're not on Amazon for that reason. Uh, uh, it was a distraction. They take a lot of money from you every sale, and 
we ship everything, you know, from one part of the country so we couldn't be prime. And there was like, but now I've actually figured out a solution that is almost, it is like an essential thing. It's like, we basically sell it to one company and they're going to do all the Amazon work for us. I was like, great. That's a solution uh, that I can get behind. So if anybody's listening right now and they do want to get it, you go to the best place to probably be if you're not in Southern California is Olipop.com. Yeah. I mean, drinkolipop.com um, is where to get it online. Drink Olipop. Drink Olipop.com. We'll we will have, will this be live by Black Friday? This will come. No, this After. won't come out until December 7th is a Monday. What's the following Monday? That's the 14th. 14th. That's when this will come out. Okay. So yeah. drink We are in 5,000 stores across the country. We're in <laughs> most Whole Foods stores. We're in every Sprout store. Uh, Wegmans up in the Northeast for the folks oh, up yeah. there. Yeah, we got um, those in Boston. We got Air One, of course, here in LA. And then uh, Kroger was our big launch store. Kroger's the biggest grocery store chain in the country. Most people in SoCal and the Northeast don't know it, but it's a lot, a lot of the Southeast and the Midwest, 3,000 stores. Wow. Um, and they actually own a bunch of other grocery store chains that maybe you've heard of. They actually own Ralph's here in LA mm. as an example. So we picked up a thousand of their stores and that's very mainstream. Like that's super important for us because it's like, we need to be big in middle America. There's a yeah. lot of brands and I talk about this a lot with the investor world that like do really, really well in the health and wellness communities in New York, LA, San Francisco. They blow up, they grow really fast, and then they like try to go like sell at Walmart in the middle of the country. And these the people are like, What the fuck? You're trying to sell me this five dollars like yeah. C B D sleep drink? Like, get out of here. You gotta know your market, you gotta <laughs> know, know where the market. people are. And a lot of brands can't make that jump. It's like a yeah. big thing. Look what I be killed it in Costco, right? That they made that. That was jump. it. That, that was I mean, thing. I wasn't with the company, but that was that was the moment yeah. that really set the thing on fire and, and the firework went off and yeah. then everything else is just picked up and uh yeah, I've always told people this. It's another thing I've learned. Selling powders on the internet is like really the best business. Powders are often a ritualistic. You use them every day. Yeah. If you get into somebody's routine, and they are often the highest price to weight ratio, so they're valued high by the consumer, but they're really light and easy to ship. And yeah. Four Sigmatic, Vital Proteins, Liquid IV. Yeah. You know, Liquid purposes. IV started as a bottle. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? He started as a bottle. Huh. And they were having issues with shipping because the shipping costs were so high. <laughs> and so 2013, 2014, Brandon and the founders at the time, and I don't know who else, but uh, they started questioning, like, what if we made this into a powder? Huh. And then they started making it to a powder, but then they were running into sh- issues when there was a time they shipped it to Hawaii because the heat, the powder, like, would thump up. And so yeah. then they had to reformat the formula and... That's what led to, you know, full throttle with the powder. But you know what's really interesting about Liquid IV and I um this is something we kind of touched on earlier, but they never took like really traditional venture capital dollars. Mm. Um and the issue with venture capital is they often come in, they like increase the valuation of the company and put a bunch of money into it and then put these like targets on you that you have to hit to grow. And that stuff is actually can be very cancerous from a culture perspective. Um, and it seems to me like Brandon really built the business exactly how he wanted to. And yeah. there's a lot of investors who would have said, don't go to Costco this early. Don't give them so much of your business. Like you can, Costco can destroy a business if you don't do well. Cause if you put there. all your eggs in one basket, you start hiring, hiring, you start. Right. And they will, they, if you're not selling, they will sell your shit back to you. And then you probably can't sell it to anybody else. And that can, that could destroy a business, but he did what he wanted and kudos. Yeah. He never had, as far as I know, I don't think they ever had any big investment firm in there. Not that I'm aware. Not My that old aware. firm actually was an investor in Liquid IV. Really? Uh-huh. Um, I'm not saying this because I work for Liquid IV and I, I fucking mean this and I would love to clip this episode in 20 years and be like, I remember when I said this, but I feel very, now don't get me wrong, all the executives, everyone on the team is like, they crush the role that they're in. But I promise you that Brandon Cohen is 
a different. He is. He's not successful because of some luck or some timing. He thinks and he operates on a different level. Like that. If there's one thing that I could, because I have this business interest and I and I'm such a curious person. Up to COVID, before we left and had to work from home, that was the one thing that I I don't even think he realized that I was just like watching from afar, even in the office. Was like, how does this man operate? He built this. Uh, with incredible team and like there's you know a lot of hurdles that he had to go through with co-founders that had left and all that stuff but to see somebody operate at the highest level and then to see the and to even see the scale even after we went remote this is a diff this guy this guy's kool-aid is different than a lot of people's and not to say nobody else can become that type of entrepreneur or ceo and founder but what it takes to actually do I know that's not for me. And I think that's one one thing I'm really starting to realize is I always think, and maybe I still think in the back of my mind that like I am a number one, but I've seen so much value at being a three or a four person and having somebody above me to like ask for help and learn from and grow from. And obviously, uh, you know, somebody like in his position, he had board members and I'm sure he, you know, uh, he had family members or other investors that maybe he was leaning on. But I really, I'm, um, I, when I had this opportunity to jump on the team, I was laughing because I was like, I don't even know if I told him this, but I was like, it does not matter what this man is selling. I'm on his ship because it's the entrepreneur. It is the mindset. It is who he is as an individual. It has me sold. I don't care what you're selling. I'll sell it. It's just because of who you are as a person. I've met a handful of those where you're just like, it's a different breed. Yeah. Just a different breed. They've got a different drive and stamina and it's like a, it's often an ability to like, some people are the best salesman ever and the worst managers and some are like amazing managers, but they couldn't sell ice to an Eskimo. Like the, the best, I think entrepreneurs or co-founders have that skill set on lock where they can like sell the, the, the bejesus out of the product, but then like in the day to day, they're like very compassionate and they like really understand the wants and needs of their team. And it sounds like he's, he's, oh, he's, he's totally like, I'm curious. I wanted to ask this before and then it, it, it just kind of came back into mind now, but I really believe like um, you got to be passionate about what you do, right? Couldn't agree more. Um, very important. But I also am curious from your from what you've seen, especially being on like all you've been. I feel like on almost every aspect of like growing a business, whether it was like actually working with Olipop or you know VC life. Is it a problem when you hear founders like saying like, "Yeah, we we're gonna sell at blank," like? Are, would you say the majority of these founders are genuinely starting something because they believe in it? Or what's the percentage that some of them are like, yeah, they like this idea, but they're really just in it just to sell the shit out of it and walk away. Like we got acquired yeah. by Unilever and brand is not going anywhere because yeah. he's super passionate about the product and that's fantastic. But I, like, it's a very good question. It's a weird thing that I come across in founders and they're already talking about like, yeah, we're, we're going to sell it at a hundred million. I'm just like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But also, like, why? Like, are you really passionate yeah. about it? It's it's funny. Um, another this is another topic that comes up a lot. Um, there has been this renaissance in the health and wellness space, and like food and beverage and entrepreneurship, all that combined has never been sexier. It's also never been easier to start a company. Like, there's enough resources out there. There's enough venture capital dollars and just like general interest in the space that you could like kind of raise money on an idea at this point. And there's a lot of like 
I mean, a lot of MBA students, a lot of um, people who are kind of just like, oh, I'm like into this industry and like I'm going to start a company because like it's cool to start a company. And the issue is like that doesn't cut it with consumers. Like yeah. you, I, I, to me, like going back to your question earlier around like what do I look for and like what do I like to personally invest in is like founders who are really truly solving a problem in their own lives and they are coming up with a solution to a problem that exists in their life that they think other people have mm. as opposed to just like looking at some research reports in your like MBA entrepreneurship class and like diving into you know I think this is a category that I want to build a company in it just like to me that doesn't like really like cut it like Ben the co-founder of Olipop is like Dropped out of college, formulated his first digestive health drink when he was 19, has been formulating digestive health drinks for 15 years, like could not care more about like the microbiome and like human health on a global scale and scale. And like this is his like, you know, vehicle for doing that. And like you meet him and you're like, this dude's the most passionate and smartest human I've ever met. Like I'm going to bet on him versus mm -hmm. like there's so many people who like just want to like throw up a store on Amazon and like see what happens. And it's it's tough because it's hard to scale that at the end of the day. And I think it like really, sh you can tell in our marketing and our communications, like the, the like chutzpah behind the brand, like yeah. theme eats, sleeps, breathes it. It's, it's very real. And, um, it's hard to fake that too. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I kind of say this line a lot, but it's never been easier to start a, a food and beverage company. Like there's so many resources out there, but because of that, it's also been never been easier or harder to scale it. Yeah. There's so much competition. You go to Erewhon, there's like 2000 drinks in there. I'm like, it's a dog fight. <laughs> um, I feel very lucky that we've yeah. like been able to kind of carve out our niche and have had some success. And there's like five, like healthy, healthy soda brands now kind of like similar ish to us in, in different ways. Um, which I think is like a, a sign that we're onto something. Like yeah. we're like building this like functional soda category that didn't exist before. Totally, um, which is kind of cool. One question that I think uh, people can ask themselves, and and I think it's a good, it gives you a good idea if you're heading down the right path. Is would you still want to be doing what you're doing today if you could never make another dollar doing it? So it's like the the founder of Olipop who is so obsessed and passionate about this digestive like figuring out the drinks. He probably would still want to dive in and figure that out. He would not be happy if he couldn't make another dollar doing it, but it sounds like he's so passionate about it oh, no, he'd be doing that he would it still be doing dollars. it. And oh, so yeah. I, I think exactly. that ends up being like a real question that people have to ask themselves. So the guy that wants to start a business and is just talking about the hundred million that he wants to sell it for, are you really gonna one enjoy the process of building or you, you want just, to put like seven to ten years in that's what i'm what, saying a lot of people think it's like oh three years and an exit like that's not how it works like no. brandon built like what i the average i think that median time to to a sale is seven years and that's like for companies who are really successful right and there's like other brands who've been around for 20 years and then they they kind of catch on and they sell but um it's to your point it's and i kind of said this before like i bounced around right i was I changed jobs a bunch and I was kind of always hunting that feeling of being obsessed with what I was doing. And like circle up was kind of the closest. I was obsessed with the founder side and finding brands. You know, we had, there's like, you know, some internal issues there, but, um, and I, so I was like, always like what looking for the next thing. And then I came down to LA and I was like bouncing around, I was consulting for a while. And I had that company that failed and I was always like looking for the next thing. And you meet people and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go work with that guy. And then you yeah, do some work with them. Like, yeah, I don't know about that. And I was just like, I was craving that like obsessed feeling every day. And, I like, it's been so relieving that I found it with Olipop. Like I'm totally obsessed and totally bought in with what we're doing every day. And it's like, it from like coming back to the essentialism thing, it's allowed me to say no to a lot of stuff. Like if something doesn't like, like something comes up that doesn't like ladder up to like somehow help us at Olipop or like, like 
apply to like some like if some like random person reaches out to like like pick my brain on something if like they're not like some e-commerce expert that can like help me with something that we're working on i'm like no i'm sorry i don't i don't have time for that right now like mm. i'm way too busy on my day-to-day stuff to like chop out an hour to like at 2 p.m on a wednesday to yeah. just, like, get coffee with you dude that's that is something that i think most people don't think about how much time that stacks up over time like i'm i've gotten really good at now and i don't i I think it comes down to how you communicate the no is really like how you can be professional and people don't yeah. like take it with a grain of salt. The whole but, chapter in essentialism about how to say no and get respect for it. And if it, this is my this is my judgment now, if it's not an absolute hell yes, this gets me excited. I say no. Yeah, it's just that. not worth. Love it. I, I because there's been too many times in my life where I commit to something, I already regret it. I'm driving to the thing. I already regret it. I'm in the thing. I regret it. And then I'm pissed off for the next week because I just wasted. It doesn't matter what the amount of time. I, as I'm sure anybody, especially yourself or anyone out there, you should value your time at a very high level. Like, yeah. I don't care if you're working at a grocery store. I've been there. I've done that. I don't care if you're selling shoes to finish line. I've been there and done that. I don't care if you're making minimum wage. You should value your own time at a, at a very high price tag. And if something doesn't excite you, you shouldn't do it. Have you had a situations where you like, Regret it saying yes, you're going there, you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And then you get there and like something magical happens. Yes. Because I've had a couple of those and it's like totally. made me it's it, made me question myself when I totally. really don't want to do something because I'm like, is this a sign? Totally. Do I need to go there? Okay. So <laughs> similarly, um, I think I'll give you an example is like um <laughs> so here's a good example. When I'm trying to like recently trying to build community, I found out there was this running club. In, in LA, uh, based out of Santa Monica, it started in West Hollywood. It's called Grand Running Club. That's great. I see. Yeah, of course. I was, it's not not that I was nervous that I said yes, but I was nervous driving there because I was like, I know nobody that's coming here today. I'm gonna, nine a.m. on Saturday. Nine a.m. on Saturday. Right? I'm not gonna know anybody there. My homie's the one that told me about it, but he said I'm not gonna be yeah, there. He <laughs> but, no, he told me the night before he wasn't gonna go, yeah. and I was like, I still have to commit. I'm looking to meet people. I. I'm a runner. I know there's going to be like-minded people and I just got to show up and do it. And so it's like, I wasn't mad. I wasn't like, shit, why did I commit to this? And like, I'm going there, but I had that like, and then I did it and I was, it was magical. I started meeting people and then I kept going and I started meeting more people and I started networking. So it's like, they've got a good crew. I've been there. Yeah. You just like, you have to, uh, yeah, I've had my buddy, my buddy, John, I met in, uh, in Venice, like last August and Again, kind of got connected. He works at a um, a company called Seed. It's like a probiotic supplement business that mm-hmm. does. They've done really well. And we met, and like he was kind of like on the phone. He was like, "By the way, I'm throwing this like wellness retreat in Mexico next weekend. Are you down?" And I was just like, "No way. Like I'm not doing that. Like go to Mexico." He said, "250 people." I was like, "What? Like what do you mean? Like what the hell is a wellness retreat? Like what do you mean you throw like you have a job? Like how do you do this?" And um, I call my buddy, call call another friend. They're both like, yeah, let's do it. Like he was like, you had to go camp and this whole thing. We're driving down there. We're like going across the border. It's like an hour and a half line crossing the border. It like was a whole thing. And I was just like, what are we doing? Like, why did I say yes to this? Like, I gotta like, you know, I don't like, I don't like, I, I don't know. And it was the best weekend of my life. It was like I met, I met a hundred people there. Who it was first of all, I was like on a, a vineyard in Mexico that this, it, it, John's co-founder and Yaki's parents own and like. 200 bucks a person, all you can eat and drink for the whole weekend. We did like Unreal. every wellness modality you could do. It was the first time I ever did breath work, first time I ever oh. I ever did a, a sweat lodge. I did, we did a cold plunge. We did uh, meditation. It was amazing. And then, of course, Saturday night kind of turned into a party. But um, it was like one of the best weekends I've ever had. And these people are like have become that community in, in Venice for me. And like I, I like, was regretting driving down there. It's funny that like, coming back the other direction, it was like 
that, that was can this be like my life forever like I, I was like don't question yourself yeah i i've been really diving into this type of conversation through like um even just through like meditating and the books that i'm reading very spiritual kind of like think like a monk um trying to just be so much more open-minded to just like trusting the f- this is going to sound very gooey or like w- like whatever foo, foo, but just like <laughs> going with the flow of life and even similarly or kind of on the same thing what you said earlier because I, I definitely have done that moment where i'm having a conversation with somebody i'm assessing is there anything i can get out of them no i need to keep it moving i'm now just at a place where i'm just trying to just go with the flow of life and just be so present that like had I met you on the street and you said, yo, I, I build cardboard boxes for a living, like uh, not process like, oh, I don't, uh, this guy's not going to benefit me. Like embrace the moment and try to cherish like this moment yeah. that I'll maybe never have again with this person. Like, tell me more. Like, yeah. or I don't know. I'm just like trying to weirdly <clears throat> like love every moment of my day of my life, which is like so hard to do. And I catch myself slipping from time to time. But like, I'll give you a great example. Before every podcast, I do these like fucking pre-hypes videos that I put up on my IG story. I'm like bumping music, dancing in the mirror before every podcast. And the reason that I do that, I don't think people realize, is because I want to treat every single podcast the same level. I don't want to just mail it in because my boy's coming through for the podcast. So like, we're just going to shoot the shit. And then next week I got like this big celebrity, so I got to get real hyped. I want to treat every podcast at the same highest level because I want this to be the best conversation I've ever had. I want this to be an incredible opportunity and experience for us yeah. both. And I want to do that for the next one and the next one and the next one. So it's like I'm trying to duplicate that across everything that I do in my life. Even in the mornings when I'm like, here we go. The first thing I do when I wake up is work out. And I know the workout I'm doing. And I know it's the same routine. But how can I just – how can I ground myself? How can I be present? How can I slow my mind down and not fucking think about what I got to do later in the day or how this is the same workout I did the other day and – just by like paying attention to the objects in the room or like I go outside to do the workout, I'm looking up at the fucking moon. I'm like, holy shit, that thing is so far away. And it's like, <laughs> it just like, it grounds me for a second and it kind of resets me. So I don't know. I just try, I'm trying to like just enjoy every single moment, even the low moments, even the highest of highs. Uh, enjoy every moment. Every That's moment. Every this tattoo moment. says read slowly. And it's just kind of my like, it's one of those, like, I tend to read too fast and I'll like read a page and be like, what the hell did I just read? I have to read it again. But it's also just kind of like a, like I keep it here. So I look at it every freaking day. It's like, slow the F down. Yeah. Like don't rush through life, right? Yeah. Life is good, right? Yeah. We're 29, 30 years old living in LA. Like doesn't get much better. Like appreciate it. Is that your only tattoo? No, I've got a bunch. What else you got? I've got my family's initials on my forearm. Oh, that's dope. I got a little, How many like, brothers and sisters? Do you have brother and sister? This is John, Penny, Stephen, PJ, Katie. Oh, whoa. We got a big squad there. Well, dad, mom, and three siblings. Dope. Yeah. Um, got a little triangle here. I actually have the Venegrabber Besser is the is the German phrase from essentialism that means less but better. And it just like when I read that, I was just like, God, that's good. And I got it tattooed right here. Oh, that's fine. I just <laughs> so, got I just got one right here. That's a great spot. We've got like the same spots of like, pretty, I'm, like I mean, here, I've got here. I got a little one up my first one ever I got on my inside of my ankle. Three, oh, that's dope. three little parallel ones. I never honestly I oh. never if you asked me two months ago, would you ever get hand tattooed? Or not not two months ago. It was probably I don't know. Say top of the year, would you ever get hand tattoos? I would have said, fuck no. F no. Did it. Did it. Just, it's <laughs> cool. What does one percent mean? One percent growth per day. 
Okay. Yeah. Small I feel like growth. it's tough talking about tattoos on a podcast so they can't see anything, but <laughs> No, yeah. Well you can you can describe it. I still think uh the audio conversation and storytelling is is beautiful. Like I'm I when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm maybe because I, you know, podcast myself and I'm like trying to visualize the conversation and like things that they talk about. Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just I love tattoos. One thing that I saw and I definitely want to hit on with you is Minds Foundation. You're a junior board member, and I had read something that said, Stephen is passionate about mental health as it has impacted both him personally and many people in his family and professional network. What have been some of cha- like mental health challenges you face in your own life or that you've been a part of and had to help others? Yeah, um, um, it's funny. Coming back to that wellness retreat in Mexico, the founder of mine spoke there. There was like a distinguished speaker series thing, and they had like six different people speak for 15 minutes, and like... Every one of them was awesome. He's a um, psychiatrist. I always confuse psychiatrists and psychologists, but from India, like India is like one in three people have mental health issues. Started this foundation to help kids with mental health issues in India 10 years ago. Brought it to LA last year. Spoke at this event. I was kind of like blown away. I was like, this is what he's doing is amazing. And then he had an event in LA. Um, and all he did was just ask if I could bring some lollipop there. I was like, sure. Like, can I come? Like, I, I, he was like, of course, of course. And it was a... Uh, it was a panel about suicide prevention, which like I was like, well, what does that even really mean? Like, let's see, like how how do you prevent suicide? And there was actually three people on the panel who have had attempted suicide, and one whose brother had committed suicide. And it was, I was like serving a lollipop, right? So I was like the last one to sit down. I literally was like, everyone, you know, no one sits in the front row, right? A little panel, a little space in West Hollywood, and I'm sitting in the front, and I'm just like three hours go by, and it's like the most intense three hours I've ever had in my life. Like I never heard people talk about this stuff before, and I was just kind of like totally moved by it and was like, this is like needs to be more people need to hear this because more people need to know that this is going on in the world. And um, I feel very, very lucky that I have never been through really serious trauma personally and like Mm -hmm. had an awesome upbringing and all that stuff. But like studies show that anywhere between one in four and one in two people have been through trauma, whether that's PTSD from, you know, overseas or, um, you know, like a, like a sexual assault or, child abuse all that stuff and it's like it really opened my eyes um and i had an i had had like an uncle cousin kind of had some issues and i've seen i've actually seen more of it in the um in the entrepreneur world and just like seeing the dark side of entrepreneurship and i I feel like i'm kind of like a confident confidant for a lot of my friends who started companies and it's really tough as a founder like you can't complain to your employees You, you really can't go to your investors with the negative stuff um it's like your spouse if you have one who gets the brunt of it and close advisors and friends who like aren't maybe professionally tied to the business and so i've gotten a lot of those calls of like how the f- do you deal with this um and like i think access to tools that normalize asking for help is mm-hmm. incredibly important and that's what what mines does mm-hmm. um and it's been obviously tougher doing stuff with covid but he's regularly has been doing virtual events and it's powerful. It's really powerful stuff. It's, there's another book in there called The Body Keeps the Score that's about trauma and its physical effect on the body, mm. um, which is another thing. Like, I knew absolutely nothing about. Shout out to Ben from from Olipop, um for turning me on to that. But um, fascinating. Like yeah. the physical effects on the body of trauma that can go back to like being one, two years old um, is, is insane. It's like staggering. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes it can be very hard for people to relate when they hear somebody's going through something. And so they're trying to like be a, like try to be somebody to lean on or listen. And yeah, uh, the, ex- the experience, well, it, it can be tough to like sit there and listen and try to be of help to somebody 
because you don't know what to do or you might be sitting there and thinking like, how is this bothering somebody so much? Like this doesn't seem like it's something they should be caught up on. Um, and I think really what's what's something that's super important that I have learned in my own life <clears throat> is every experience affects people differently. Yeah. I have a breakup or you have a breakup. Those could be two separate breakups and can completely, we can, we can, uh, have completely different experiences. Yeah. Totally experiences. So it's like, who am I to say like, come on, Steven, like just move on, like go on to the next thing. I have no idea what's going on in in that head of yours. And I don't know what those conversations are like. I feel like on Instagram, I see like once a week, someone reposts like a, a story. It's like, that here's your daily reminder that you don't know what someone else is going through. I totally. think it's a Robin Williams quote, actually. Um, and it's just one of those that, like, it should be on everybody's wall. It should be on everybody's, like, post-it note on their hand every day. It's like, you got to try. You really got to be nice to people because you, yeah. you never know. And you you never know what somebody's going through. And you, I met a kid on Avakini the other night who was, like, he was 18. He was in, he was, like, NAA. His sponsor was, like, he couldn't get a hold of his sponsor. He was, like, the worst sponsor ever. And he was hammered. And... He was calling out for help, to be honest. And I ended up standing there talking to him for like 20 minutes and like took him to Erewhon, got him some some food. I was just like, I don't know what this kid's going to do. Like someone's got to pay attention to him because like who knows? And I don't know. Well, I, mean, I don't know if I saved his life or not. Who knows? Um, yeah. But like it was one of those things in the moment. I could have just like walked away, right? Um, like everybody else did. But I was like, this kid's crying out for help. It's very obvious. And you don't know what someone else is going through. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the... I think one, like you said, you don't know what somebody else is going through. I think just keeping that in mind is super important. And I think having the conversations and being open to it. And if you are somebody that is going through something to not feel scared or ashamed <clears throat> to not speak up. I feel right. very fortunate because along this journey of me getting into podcasting since 2016 and like sharing my story, uh, I kind of became so comfortable with this is me. This is all of me. And so like, I share it all, especially those solo pods I was telling you about. I do a solo pod a week and then I do uh, a guest pod a week. These solo pods, I I joke on the solo pod. I'm like, this is like my therapy session because I'm just like spilling my fucking life and I just own it. But it weirdly feels like so good. There was a podcast I did a couple weeks ago, by far the most vulnerable, open, podcast that I have ever recorded. It was something that I knew I wanted to do for a while, but I kept making excuses not to do it. And I just was like, I'm just going to do it. And and then I did it and it opened up on like my previous like, like relationship with women and how I've allowed society's expectations and uh, thoughts and views on life, like really screw up my head. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the guy that's just going out and hooking up with chicks all the time. Like I've allowed, and, and if I'm not, then I'm not a, I'm not a good looking guy. I'm not a cool guy. So, and to just say that and go into a lot more detail, it was like the most freeing feeling in the cathartic world. Is the word, right? Yeah. Cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Cathartic. And it just felt so good. But then it's, I forget that like there are people that they just let that brew. They just let it marinate. There are people, those, every person. Yeah. <laughs> almost every yeah, person lets that brew. Yeah. That's where, it, like, you, that stuff builds inside you. It's like, it, you know, you build up stress. You build up, you know, physical things. Like, you know, you build up, like, stuff in your fascia and all that. That's, that's what, it kills you. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Yeah. You got you to gotta, uh, you gotta let that shit out. Is there any area of your life you're, you're putting more effort into? 
Uh, you feel very well balanced or is there anything specific in your mind that you're, you need to put more effort into? Um, I, I, maybe this is like sort of a throwaway answer, but I do feel really good when I make food. Mm. <laughs> when I'm actually making my own meals, it's like, it's like a little thing, but it's like, I have a little bit more control there and it's like so much better than eating out or getting delivery and so much cleaner. Like I learned how to grill a couple months ago. So I've gotten into that. Man, Shout nice. out to my roommate Lucy, uh, for teaching me how that works. Um, yeah, that's like a little simple thing. And then I, I guess like to be completely honest is saying no to more things. Like mm. I've been, it's been the, like the number one thing I think about is like, how do I start saying no to more things politely? without pissing people off. Cause like I have to be so ruthlessly protective of my time right now. Yeah. Cause the days are busy Yeah, and they're super busy. Do you find, so when you're saying yes to things, what's, is it usually like a lot, just like every day there's a lunch you're going to, is there like a dinner? Is it the weekends? Like what's, when you say that you, you need to start getting better saying no, are there certain occasions you're saying yes? Or even when you say yes, do you feel happy that you said yes? Or do you find yourself like you're mad? Yeah, you there's like- definitely like strategic guesses. I, I just, I have developed enough of a, rep- a reputation in the food and beverage world where, you know, you're networking, you're starting a, a beverage brand and what, whatever. And you meet someone who meets someone who's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta talk to this guy, Steve. Like he's like, he's got all, he's doing all these things in the beverage world. He's got this like Slack group and this and that. And I like, so it's for their value. It's not for you. It's for them to benefit. And not necessarily I joke, you. I'm going to start a company called Can I Pick Your Brain? Because I get like... You get that a lot? I get a lot of those. <laughs> and I, I love it, right? It's a cool thing. It's a, it's kind of a badge of honor, right? It's like you're somebody who people want to talk to Paying about for It's kind of cool. And I, I, I asked for so much advice along the way. Um, but the reality is like I don't have like a lot of spare hours to just like dish out free advice anymore. Um, and I'm not... Like when you're in the investing world, like that's kind of the game you play is this long game. You're meeting with founders and it'd be too early, but like, you never know. They could know someone else. And like, you're just kind of playing this like relationship networking game. And I played that for four years. Um, and it's been like really, really rewarding to like be solely focused on like running our paid growth at Olipop. That's like my singular focus at work right now. And like, yeah, it's like fun. I love meeting new brands. And I still like, I still do those things. Right. I went out to dinner with someone on Sunday who's starting a drink company here in LA and she was great. And you know, gave her some pointers here and there, but um, I just like don't have time to do like four of those a day like I used to. And so I have to be like super strategic. And to my kind of coming back to my point earlier, it's like really easy to start a food and beverage company right now. So there's like plenty of things that kind of get sent my way that I'm like, I don't know if that like deserves to exist. And ipso facto like deserves like a lot of free advice and connections from me. And so yeah. I like I'll pick and choose stuff because I also do some of my own investing too. So some of these things are like how I found stuff that I've ended up investing in so like there are certain things don't get me wrong yeah that i like end up falling in love so with it can it can benefit it definitely can benefit for yeah. sure um, yeah we got to give a shout out to uh i know that you got three of them in your bio three wishes cereal jot and then madre mazel is that how you say it madre mezcal yeah mezcal brand based so you got, what is it is that uh tequila uh, it's mezcal is like it's tequila is like darker smokier brother okay so you got tequila you got cereal and then what's jot jot is a super concentrated coffee liquid coffee so, oh, so you, you got a little bit of everything dude i honestly like my dude three I wishes cereal how is that is that bomb it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so good i invest in stuff that i want to use every day or can use most days i don't drink mezcal every day but huh. mezcal goes really well so do you wait my... for these opportunities to just get like presented to you or do you go seeking them like oh i like you tried the product you're like this is really good let me hit these people up and see if i can invest in them it's a mixture of the two um jod is an example uh they're like one of the first hires i went to college with and she's worked in like consumer focused pr for the last couple of years and 
messaged me like a few months before they were launching like hey can i send you products like we'd love to get your feedback and i love like love to get the products like i love yeah. trying them i love posting about it, getting people's feedback on it and i'd never drank coffee in my life um you got a big co- i saw like your post earlier today you got a big coffee cabinet now, now so I got a big coffee things cabinet. have changed huh? well my roommate's big into coffee too but i had never drank it it like made me jittery just like something i never needed i've got i'm high energy you're high energy i yeah. just get up and go <laughs> and then i had jot and it was like I put like a little bit, of, I put a fill up a glass with water, drop an ice cube in, pour it like a tablespoon of this liquid into a spoon and drop it in the water and like you perfect cold brew in 10 seconds. Ooh. To me, that's like light bulb. It's like, I'm obsessed with this product. It, the, the way that they um, extract it, like I don't fully understand all this, but like the caffeine uptick, like I never get clammy hands from it. I'm not super jittery. Like it totally changed my like purview on how coffee affects the brain, which was like a huge unlock for me. Um, and it's so simple and it's so easy to explain to people. And like, there's no mess. You're not grinding beans. You don't need a co- big coffee maker. It's like water, shot, ice, boom. Takes literally 10 seconds. Like wow. and that to me is like, okay, great product, really innovative. I'm obsessed with it. And it's like completely changing like the delivery mechanism for coffee, which like, if you crack that code, coffee is such a big category. Like they need a little fraction of it. They also have like beautiful website, amazing team, like yada, 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 check the box. Um, yeah, I invested in that one. I love it. I, you can tell when I get into these things. It's like I'm, a, I'm like the ultimate hype man. Yeah, so. but I love that, dude. Like that's so uh, – you. It, from my perspective, from the conversation we've had thus far, you're somebody that is very passionate about what you do and where your hands are like with these investments. And I think that's so awesome because – and one thing that I, I take for granted, we were talking about earlier, like we're surrounded – we're very, I think, connected to a lot of the same people, but like – people that are in different industries uh, doing amazing things and they're all very passionate. You but have to be. You have to something. but there's but there's it. there but what but what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of people that don't find that passion or aren't seeking it. I mean I I, I like joke around with them a lot like a lot of my buddies from college are like doing the like financing in New York and like it's a job, right? And they hate it. And they kind of think I'm an alien cuz like I love what I do and I'm out across the country and I'm like, you know, I gave up meat for six months and I got into like yoga whoa, and meditation whoa. and breath work and like all this stuff that's like so LA, but I'm like, all those things are amazing. Like, I, it's like, it's just different structure, different folks. And you know, I've had that question before, like, why are you so into Olipop? Like, how do you care so much about something like that? And like, it's hard to explain to people who like aren't on that way. Like, I feel like you kind of like get it or you don't. And yeah. it's, if you, kind of cross that chasm and you find it, it's like the best feeling in the world, right? It's like a yeah. drug. Um, but, you know, it's like, I try to tell people like, focus on something that you're really passionate about and like kind of try to back into, like if you're graduating college, like my sister last year, she's super into health and wellness, but like it's really hard to just get a job at like an Olipop without some experience. So I was like, go work at an agency that consults for wellness brands. Go work at a PR firm, go work at a digital marketing agency that wants to hire young hungry kids and train them. And that's what she's doing now. Wow. And like, Take the, if you go from the industry first lens of like, where do, what kind of companies do I want to be working with? What kind of people do I want to be working with? There's a way in to those places. You just got to kind of know the, and of course, like I'm in the space. I was able yeah. to like, like direct her a little bit and be like, kudos to her. She ended up like completely landing this job by herself. And it's like the dream job and where I would have told her to go. And she like found it completely independent of me because she's a rock star. <laughs> but um, there's like ways to hack that. And people, you get to people like, oh, like I can't just go work in the industry I want to like, you probably can. You just kind of got to figure out and wedge your way. You got to reverse engineer that yeah. position you want to be in. How do you get to that actual position? Exactly. You said six months without meat. You still on that? No. 
Okay. Not at all. I was six months. I, I was six months pescatarian. Wow. I had this like I moved to San Francisco. I'd never met a vegan oh, in my so life. That's a while ago. Okay. I watched Cowspiracy, and I the the sustainability thing clicked for me. I never the like whatever. I don't want to go too deep in that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> The sustainability thing. I was like, oh my god. Like when, it, when you hear it takes two thousand gallons of water to make a hamburger in your brain, you're like, I don't understand what you mean. It's a meat. Like it's a piece of meat. Like where's the water? And you're like, oh, it's going into the cows that are juiced up and pumped full of like corn and water to like make your burger and that's the waste and like i was like oh that's the disconnect i didn't get and i cut meat red meat out the next day red meat and actually dairy products it's funny because i used to have like skin issues and cut red meat and dairy out and i've i really haven't gone back i'll eat like good red meat every now and then i almost yeah. never have like i used to eat just so much chobani yogurt haven't had one in five years damn I, that's what i live clean off of. my skin right up really right away yep and i had definitely was intolerant i had no idea right but you don't if your body you're not connected with like the body and all that stuff it's it's tough to like know why you're breaking out right you don't think about it um and uh yeah i went like no red meat for like four months i was actually on a road trip <laughs> from san francisco to la and i ate in and out it was like the only thing like within 100 miles i was starving and i got so sick my body was just like no sir you can't do this so i went without red meat for a long time it's different honestly being in la there's like, a lot more access to like grass-fed and yeah pasture raised and all that stuff and i I went out for a while, like really gorging on like the Beyond Meats and like the processed plant stuff. And I was like, I don't think this is actually better for you. So I've kind of swung back and I'll do like very focused on cleaner. I'm definitely more skewed fish and chicken. Mm. Um, I'll have like pork and beef, like very rarely at like a nice restaurant or something. But um, yeah, super cognizant of, of meat. Yeah, I think dieting, you have to test and try for your own body. I yeah. think everyone's a little bit different and yeah. things in, you know affect you differently than might affect me. The yogurt, that's interesting. I might have to consider cutting that back because I've even noticed recently, like, and I couldn't figure out why, like, my chest is breaking out. I'm just like, where the fuck is this coming from? It's funny from? you said yogurt the other earlier, and I was like, I don't think I don't know anyone who eats yogurt anymore because it's like I've had so many people who've cut it out and it's been like, oh yeah, that was uh, it. <laughs> I'm gonna, you, I literally inspired, like, literally, I went to the grocery store, bought a bunch today. I'm gonna finish it off, and I'm probably, gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cut it in three months. And if you get a text and I, and, I, and you hear from me and I say you're you were right. You're going to know exactly what I was talking about. So let's freaking go. Uh, what are your, this is definitely a conversation. This is a topic I hit with every guest and it's been specifically interesting for when I get the woman on the podcast, because I'd say, I look today, it's probably about 80% skewing male podcasts right now. We're trying to swing it more, trying to get, that's why I'm bringing more females on here. Yeah. What has your been experience of the LA dating scene or thoughts on it? Um, anyway, a hundred percent better than San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not even close. It's fun. I, I like know I'm very like blessed to have, your I personality, have a lot of people in my life. Yeah. And then like I am like very lucky to live by the beach in Venice and there's like lots of people around and like I it's it's been so much easier meeting people in LA than I ever found it to be in San Francisco. Because I was an outsider in San Francisco. I worked in venture capital, but I didn't work in tech venture capital, I worked in food and beverage and I was like into like branding and design and aesthetic and I wasn't into like like big tech <laughs> and like you go out on, on dates and it's like, I don't, we don't have the same interests. Like, and I started going to LA and I was like, this is my, these are my people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, to be completely honest, like we've got this, like it, it's it, all pops like a very LA brand. We're kind of all over the place. It's like, it's, it's much easier when you meet someone randomly and I'm like, yeah, I work on this beverage company and like, they're like, Oh, I brought one with me in my purse to this. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, Bring it's kind of cool. Sell. Right. Yeah. And, um, so it's like hard to compare, I guess, to any other point in time in my life, but um, I love it. And it kind of comes back to what I was saying before. There's a lot of interesting people here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of interesting stuff, whether it's like 
you know, like yoga instructor or um, like talent agent, right? It's like, yeah. those are so interesting. Those are both so interesting in their own right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are into the same. Like I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with traveling. Like when that comes back, like it's a lot of you, it's, it's not hard to find people who like are on the same wavelength as, as you. And um, I've never done the dating thing in New York, so I don't really have, have that to compare it to, but compared to San Francisco, it's. You're like, just, so you're there. more just going with the flow wherever, like wherever the life takes you. Yeah, I mean, I'm hit- not a dating app guy. I was always yeah. found that to be kind of toxic. Like, I mean, I'm like, I've, I meet so many people through my like day to day life, and through you don't even like, need it. Like, I if I don't meet someone who, through that like side of my life, I'm like, I'm doomed. You know, this is why I'm moving to Venice, like that area, because I just there's a lot of upside. And before I even lived here a year ago, I used to live out in north of Burbank. I was in Sun Holy Valley, California. Smokes. Yeah, it was uber budget. We didn't have much to go. work off, so we had to make it work. But, um. That's exactly why I'm making the train. Like I have a great space here with these guys. I love both my roommates, um, but I just like and miss every weekend. I am on the 405 going to and from six. There was one weekend and two days I did eight round trips and it was ridiculous. Oh it was like, God. I have to make the move. And so even though I know the price of living goes up and everything else in my life goes up, Worth I'm it. just like, Worth it. <laughs> see, this is what I need. I need to see what it give, give me Worth the green it. light. I, it's funny too, because I moved down to LA three years ago, November, three years ago. Moved to Marina Del Rey, really busy area on Lincoln, like didn't love it. Yeah. Moved to Playa Vista, was kind of in the like cookie cutter, like young kids and dogs area. And it was like a really awesome place, amazing amenities, pool, gym, everything. But I was just like, ah, is LA not all it's cracked up to be? And then like in the last year since being in Venice, every, my all of my opinions have completely Mind changed. you, Marina to Venice is one town. I know. For people know. that don't understand. I, it's I just, also in a different it's two different worlds though. It's two definitely worlds. two different worlds. And I, this was, again, pre-Olipop, pre-really being in the, there is this kind of like entrepreneurial energy, startup energy. Like there's, I know so many people building, like one of uh, my buddy Wesley has a, has a kind of, it's a subscription management platform. So when we are when you're a subscriber to Olipop, we actually proactively send you a text before your next order processes. And you can text us back if you want to switch flavors, skip a month, cancel anytime. Wow. And it's my buddy Wesley who built it in Venice. And like he's a friend and we were like his first client. And so it's cool, right? And I've referred him a bunch of business. And like we're all like working together, right? Like yeah. my buddies at Seed, like I talk to them all the time. We're using a lot of the same influencers. We're trading notes. My buddy Ari, he's running our podcast. He's a Marina Del Rey guy. Like he was at Four Sigmatic. It's like there's this crazy like startup ecosystem on the yeah, west side of LA and everyone's like into all the health and wellness stuff right like all, you people always like think it's hilarious when I tell them that like we do a lot of coffee meetings at Erewhon they're like you have meetings at a grocery store and it's like oh, you don't get it you it's don't like, get it yeah you don't get it you gotta bring you I'll bring you I'll give, Please. You, I'll give you an Erewhon tour I take pride in my, <laughs> Dude, in my Erewhon it'll tour. be the first Erewhon tour of my life so my plug for you is guess the number one selling drink at Erewhon N- number one selling drink non-water Oh yeah, number one by two x. Holy shit! That Venice store. So are people going in there just buying like people go in there if they want to get lunch? They can buy just one can and then like a yeah. We only sell single cans everywhere. Really? Uh Yeah. But online isn't it? Isn't a six pack online? Twelve packs online. Twelve packs. Why I love Olipop and why uh, of of all the how much retail two forty nine. Okay. So that healthy drinks set at Erwan. Everything is four bucks. Like it's hard to get a drink there under three bucks. And we're at two forty nine, and we we go on sale. You know, every couple months we're two for four or three for five. That's like that's accessible, right? If you're you're you know Diet Coke, you get twelve bag, got Diet Coke for four ninety nine. We're never gonna be there, right? We've got real ingredients. We have no fake sugars. There's nine grams of plant fiber in there. That doesn't that's not free, right? Um, but like we'll be two dollars long term, and that's I, my 
overarching kind of thesis on investing and like the brands I want to build are like accessible wellness. Like I don't want to be that $10 drink at Erewhon that just is for rich people and like Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Yeah. A lot of that goop stuff, it's like great if you can afford it, but like we want soda drinkers drinking this. I need Diet Coke drinkers in the middle of the country who are paying $4.99 for a 12 pack to be like, I'm going to pay a little bit more for something that's way better for me. And that to me is how you build like true scale and impact. Like I don't give a shit about the health and wellness space, to be clear. Like those people are gonna buy our stuff no matter what. Like we need to get to the soda drinkers. We need to get the people who are killing themselves with their soda consumption and get them off of Coke and onto Olipop. And that's kind of like our broader mission is mainstream. I can feel it, dude. It's coming. It's happening. <laughs> it's coming, and I'll, I'll have the this interview. And so, in freaking, you know, when the growth keeps coming, I'm gonna start pulling these clips. Like, yep, we talked about it. We talked about, it, called it here. Damn, next year's gonna be massive. I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah, that's that's bomb. Um, kind of getting towards the end. Uh, have you ever heard of We Are Not Really Strangers? You ever seen that get shared on game? Instagram? Yeah, it's a card game. Yeah, exactly. So I bought the card game a couple months ago, and what I do beforehand, every guest gets here, is I pull a card for you. Uh, the idea is this card game is like cards of humanity, but for like real life, deep, not just scratching surface level questions, yeah. like diving deep. Question for you is, what would your younger self not believe about your life today? <laughs> Literally all of it. Like I was, I was a, I was like a very cute little kid. And then I got, I was like a super overweight, like 10 year old. And I was a bully um i was not nice and i was like projecting classic you know you read about people like projecting i knew i was getting made fun of for my weight so i made fun of everybody i was like eric cartman i was like such a little shithead i literally only cared about like the yankees and the jets and like that was my life i played baseball i was obsessed with baseball baseball cards video you know mvp baseball 2004 like manny ramirez i still remember that um i like baby all of (laughs) (laughs) i i my younger self would be absolutely shocked even my penn state self to be honest like if you told me i was going to move to san francisco and start doing yoga once a week and give up meat and get into like health and wellness like no chance that's why i kind of like i kind of feel like i'm like a i'm like a mole i've like gotten into this space i'm super into it but i also know what it's like to be like really anti it right and so i've like pulled some people in like my brother and my sister are both plant-based and my parents actually like cut a lot of their meat intake and like i've definitely been able to like take what i've learned and like package it up in a way that's like a little bit more approachable like i wouldn't just drop them into venice right that venice is its own breed it's kind of where all this stuff like starts and you have to like take it distill it down to like the important parts same thing with like the plant-based stuff like when i started when i got into that i felt like an evangelist where i was like yeah, even if you're like not as much into the ethical side of it, which is like super important, but there's just some people who don't get there on that. Once they start understanding the sustainability stuff and the, the impact on your body, then you're like, oh shit, this is real. I need to pay attention to this. And so I kind of felt like, and I mean, it's funny because like I read Becoming Supernatural last year. I read Essentialism, Body Keeps Store. I've kind of like gotten a lot more into like the mental, like spiritual meets science stuff and i'm a huge believer in it and i've gifted becoming supernatural to probably 20 people i've probably gifted essentialism to 10 people wow um i like i feel like i'm like that that guy who like made the jump over and like gets it but i also get what it was like to be on the other side um so to answer your question he would be surprised by everything Wow. <laughs> I always joke like 20 year old me would hate 29 year old me. They would not be friends. not 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 a fan. They would not be friends, which is like I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I've been able to grow and like kind of leave most of that stuff. But I'm not perfect, right? I'm a Gemini. I, get, like, I screw up every now and then. <laughs> no, but I, I love that. 
you're you are like the way you just said that you're proud of that transition and who you've become and like we change and our values change and our goals and our interests change with time. And do my so, college friends make fun of me twenty four seven? Of course. Do yeah. I absolutely relish in it? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, before we wrap up, I always allow the guests to kind of put out a challenge to the listeners if they've made it this far into the podcast at this moment in time, about an hour and thirty. If they made it this far in this podcast, what's a challenge for them? Something that could benefit them help them grow in any way. It doesn't matter what their interests are or industry that they're trying to get into. What's something that they, that you've seen help you that you think could help them? Uh, don't touch your phone for an hour when you wake up in the morning. If you, if you have a job that allows it, I always tell people like, I am at the point now where like, yeah, there's always fires that gets me put out, but like we're not selling cancer drugs. Like we sell soda on the internet. Like most things can wait till 8 a.m. So like I'm up by like 6.30, 6.45. I try to meditate in the morning. I try to get a workout in. Um, don't always, I don't always do that. I'm not definitely not perfect. I don't have like the, as rigid of a schedule as you do. Um, but I, and again, I don't even do this every day. I try to do it every day. I lost my phone for five days this summer and it like blew my mind how amazing it was to wake up without an alarm clock. I actually don't set an alarm anymore. And I'm like, some days I'm up at 6.30, some days I'm up at 7.15. Letting it's like, your body get yeah. the sleep it needs. Because like you, if you're like constantly putting yourself through all this stuff, and then you're like, got to be up at 6, got to do everything. And it's like, I found myself getting so tired. And I was like, what's going on? And then I lost my phone and I don't use an alarm anymore. It's kind of amazing. But if you can go no phone in the morning, it's actually like the best way to start your day. I think I found. Wow. Um, no phone, definitely no Instagram till like yeah. 10. Yeah. Please. Um, but that would be my challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I go, love that. Go an hour. Yep. For me, it's like I try to get till 8 a.m. That's huge. I think the not looking at your phone and, and checking notifications, text messages, it completely so derails good. your day. Get Set the day. Get good intentions. Um, focus on yourself. Get in a walk, a run, a meditation, a yoga session, a journal, read a little bit of a book, uh, call your mom, call a family member that you want to talk to. Like, Dude, I'm big on that. I'm, Anything I, else. I'm big yeah. on just... If I, I see, if I get on Slack or like work email, it's over. Like the brain turns on. Yeah, I see your full I got to deal with. It's a domino. I see emails that, you know, right when I wake up and I go to turn the alarm off, I see all these notifications. I go, don't need it. I I'll actually got this app it. that they talk about in uh, Breath by James Nestor, which is another great book about breathing and the power of nasal breathing. Um, it's a, like an app that plays like five minutes of, or five to 10 minutes of like some white noise before you go to bed. And then it actually records you snoring and it silences all your notifications. So you wake up in the morning and it, all you can do, the only thing you do on your phone is look at how you slept and look at your snoring during the night. And snoring is often a very good leading indicator of like if you're sick, how your nasal patches are working, are you breathing out of your nose, or your mouth? Um, and so like when I wake up in the morning, it's the only thing I can do on my phone. And like I look at it, I put my phone down and then I have my hour. Oh, that's good. I've got my whoop too. I got my whoop. Oh, the whoop. I saw that earlier. That's fire. I might, very, I might. very helpful. Yeah. It's something I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. I used to wear watches all the time, but I'm pretty addicted to it. Mm. Gets me like, you know, like how well-breasted you are. It tells me how bad I am on the weekend. Which is <laughs> like a little bit annoying. A lot, a lot of red alarms after yeah. the weekend come it's Monday. Like, uh, it, it, but it tells me like how hard I should work out based on how I trained yesterday, how I slept. There's like some nights where like you just feel like you didn't sleep at all, right? And then uh, you're just like, did I sleep last night? You're like, kind of in and out. And it like tells you. It knows when you're wow. sleeping and you're not. And it's pretty pretty useful actually. I'm a big whoop proponent now. That's pretty dope. Where can I know we mentioned earlier, but where can people get Alipop? What's the uh, best? I would go on our website, drinkolipop.com. I have my little personal code, Steven20, 20% off. Um, if you've never had it, I always tell people to try the variety pack. Our flavors taste super different. Um, there's like a classic cola, it tastes like a Diet Coke, there's a root beer, um, strawberry vanilla is like a strawberry cream saver. Um, 
but online and then we're in you know 5,000 stores across the country Whole Foods Sprouts Wegmans Kroger yeah everywhere yeah where can people find you directly on Instagram at Stephen Parker yeah I thought, I thought your last name was Parker that was... a lot of people <laughs> think my name is Stephen Parker which is kind of funny because it's Stephen Parker Vigilante but I've always kind of said like Vigilante is like too <laughs> badass of a name and I'm like not that much of a oh come on give yourself some more credit dude I, I don't know just like I grew up like you know Sean Parker was like the guy and I was like Stephen Parker Sean Parker um so yes and i actually the truth is i changed it in college when um i was going through like goldman sachs interviews and like Citibank, and i was always so afraid like they're gonna be like it was like yo you can't have anything oh, on facebook see, or instagram so we all changed our names to first name so Bill. they couldn't find it and then i moved to san francisco and like people started we call me steve parker and i was like kind of like this like alias sort of thing <laughs> and it's yeah Stephen parker on instagram that's probably like, the easiest way to get a hold of me actually see yeah ig's always ladies and gentlemen if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you screenshot this episode post it to your ig story Tag Steven at Steven Parker underscore underscore and tag me at Bob A, B-O, three B's, four A's and a Y. Share it out. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode. It helps grow this podcast organically and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Make sure you get some Olipop, Steven 20 for the 20% off discount. Steven, thank you for coming in on the podcast today. This was an absolute pleasure, man. And I can't wait to see you guys keep crushing it. I'm going to be replacing my LaCroix with some Olipop. So RIP LaCroix. We got some better shit coming in. Good energy in here. Uh, But it's been a pleasure catching catching up with you and actually getting to meet you and, you know, break down the story and uh, appreciate taking time. This was like two-week turnaround time. That's uh, Eh, pretty good. We got to hustle, man. Always hustling, always grinding. Um, That's it. We'll see you guys and gals soon enough. See ya.